Hi, Tom. Hi, Steve. You guys are so funny. Have a great show. It's totally wicked. everybody to Masters of Profundication. I am Tom with them. I'm Steve Files. And um, I guess this is trailer season. Did you know this? Yeah, like everybody gets together and makes a circle and gets a concrete pool going, barbecue. Yeah. No, you probably don't move your trailers, do you? Like they're called trailers, but nobody actually moves them around. So, or is it a different kind of trailer that you're talking about? Movie previews. Yes. I, like we've discussed before, they're called trailers, but that makes no sense anymore. Right. Yeah. And they're really not, I mean, they're technically not previews. No. You know what the, You know what we should start a campaign and start calling them content samples? <laughs> We've got the poll. We, we could change the culture. Content samples. Cinema content samples. That's what we should call them. We could call them CCS for short. Oh, I made it to the theater in time to see the cinema content samples. It just rolls off the tongue. We got to go to a movie. We just we say that out loud. We should wear <laughs> we should wear suits. Put glasses on. Sit down like right in the middle, so everybody like can hear us. A couple of bean counters. Yes, like completely official. Get a, have a clipboard. Yeah, bring a clipboard with us. Okay, we've we've we made it for the uh, cinema content sample. <laughs> All right, watermark. Go. All right, you know, like just start checking yeah. out boxes. And then, and then, just start acting disgusted, like, oh, <sighs> oh my god, I, this is all wrong. This is all wrong. Shut the whole thing down. Shut it down. <laughs> the iambic pentameter was not utilized to its fullest extent. I know. They, I mean, in view of this cinema content sample, <laughs> uh, I recently was bombarded by Jurassic World two Ugh. trailers. I saw they. I think it happened. I think they finally reached the pinnacle of absurdity because I saw a preview for the preview. I saw a trailer for the trailer. Like I yes. literally saw the trailers dropping tomorrow. A yep. trailer about. And and that's uh, what I'm saying is, is I got <laughs> interrupted. I was doing something on the internet and uh, I, whatever I was doing, there was like this pop-up. It's not even a pop-up. It was just a, like a, one of those ads that comes swipes across the screen that you don't like. Yeah. And it was, New Trailer Thursday. That was mm-hmm. the thing. New Trailer Thursday. The thing I saw actually had clips from it. Like a little, it was like a little tiny, maybe 10 second thing that shows some of the dinosaurs and crap. And then it said New Trailer Thursday. So it was like, yeah. a, it was seriously a trailer for a trailer. Yeah. It's called a teaser. And it's like, who, I, I'm sorry, but who's that excited for the Jurassic World sequel? That movie was terrible. It, it was a lot just, of money. Well, yeah, but this because people are stupid. It's disappointing. Uh, well, you know what their grab is this time. Like Jeff Goldblum. That's right. We did it. We did it right <laughs> this time. We have Jeff. We got Jeff. He's gonna He's do- not washed up or nothing. He's gonna He's be in a of, movie. He's sick of doing those apartments.com ads that make no <laughs> sense. Jeff Goldblum's having his uh his comeback moment. He was in Ragnarok, the Thor movie. Actually, and I didn't see it. I didn't see Thor Ragnarok yet. Um but I heard he was really good in it. He was funny. It's it's one of those movies where like you, you watch it and you expect any kind of cohesive narrative, you're going to have a bad time. 
if you're just watching it for the romp for the entertainment value then yeah it was pretty good like the sci-fi elements were utterly ridiculous like why would a immortal alien god talk like a nebishi guy from new york or something like that but it's it's fine you know whatever it's there's you just gotta look past that you, you it is what it is it was funny and it was you know the action was pretty good good use of uh led zeppelin so you know i like him in um life aquatic with steve zissou i never saw that i just have a love affair with that movie but he plays a character that is just phenomenal i love mm-hmm. it it, he plays Jeff Goldblum, I guess is the best way to put it. <laughs> and in reality, doesn't Jeff Goldblum just play Jeff Goldblum in all of his movies? Oh, yeah. He's he's a tier three. <laughs> yeah. Callback. Yeah. <laughs> uh, ooh, we have a couple of callbacks. Trailers and then tier three acting. Tier three, not tier four. See, we're trying to bring it part, make it part of the lexicon. Tier three. Vernacular. Yes, are- we could go. We could go in. Do, do our little bit in the theater. Say, this is a CCS. Say, okay, we've got the tier threes ready to go. Q. And <laughs> Q people be looking three. at us. Yeah. Tier three, CCS. And oh somebody God, would get are... their phone out. And they'd be filming us. And we'd be going viral and culture Look change these right two there. two douchebags trying to use buzzword. <laughs> <laughs> no, we could pull it off. Oh, I know we'd totally pull it off, pull it but off. people would still call us douchebags. I mean, that's just, that's what it is. You see a video online nowadays, and it's instantly douchebags. Well, I guess it doesn't help that we are douchebags. Well, true. Yeah. Well, we're not so much douchebags that we are just 12-year-old boys. Which is not really a very large gulp, gulf of uh, difference there. No, if you want to... 12-year-old uh, boys are usually douchebags. If you want to know exactly how much of a douchebag 12-year-old boys are, go to Reddit and look up the subreddit for <laughs> Call of Duty. Oh my god, I can't look, imagine. Look up the Call of Duty subreddit. How many just, mobs are getting fucked on that? No, your mom's getting fucked. No, I'm gonna fuck your mom. Yeah. No, Dude, you're, you're gay. gay. <laughs> no, you're the yeah. king of gays. Yeah, it's just a bunch of 12-year-olds trying to be like yeah. serious military operators. <laughs> uh, there's no way this sniper rifle could have worked in these conditions. Yeah. You know, in this environment with the wind speed, I'm just saying. I, I looked yeah. this up. Well, anyway, we are... Um, I think this is the time of year where we get a lot of summer movie. We get the push for mm. summer movies. And so I, I want to say, I want to call that November and December are the cinema sample. Uh, I can't even do it. <laughs> We're in trailer season, I guess is the best. Yeah, there you go. We are, we are in uh, prime time. And for some reason, Star Wars has decided to put their movies out in December. That had to have been a calculated decision. I mean, obviously, they didn't throw a dart at the calendar and just be like, oh, well, I guess it's going to be middle of December. Nothing they must have happened, right? Yeah, they must have known that that was going to be the time that they were going to, you know, Christmas. So toys, because half of at least half of George Lucas's uh, money has come from merchandise. Oh, yeah, it's definitely a toy. Maybe even more than that. But. You know, we put it out second week of December. You know, there's a mad rush for toys. That's what everybody's getting under the tree. Oh, yeah. And you know what the fucking toy is going to be? The number one goddamn toy. Porg. <laughs> I, I had to think for a second because, you know, I'm not on the Porg hate wagon yet. You know who is? You? Uh, well, I mean, lesser important people besides me. Oh. John Boyega, the Finn. I guess there's an interview with him. I, I watched part of it. He's like, ugh, porgs. <laughs> He's like, oh, disgusted looking at shit. 
Well, yeah. probably because he probably because he's no longer the the thing Tier that everybody's one. watching it for. Well, I wasn't yeah. going to say that. I was going to say like minority in a lead role. Yeah, he's like steal my thunder, will you? Anal rape and space pants. Yeah. <laughs> Throwback. Yeah, it's just all kinds. You're in review, but um, I wonder with some of these movies because we talked about it a little bit last week with the Star Wars in the thirty cut down to thirty five minutes. I wonder if you could take that Jurassic World movie because it did have some really cool CGI, and um, I wonder if you could kind of trim that down and make that a watchable one hour TV show. <laughs> Oh my god! You know what I mean. Well, all you have to do is abandon some of the side. Like this, Jurassic World was a movie that was a Frankenstein monster. At least three or four different movies that got abandoned halfway through script writing. Yeah, but since they spent enough time and effort and money doing it, they're like, "Well, we're going to use it." And they just stapled together multiple narratives, threw them into a bag, shook it up, and then outpoured a vomitous mass of plot holes and ridiculousness and high heel running from t-rexes and bullshit well if you're running from the t-rex you gotta look good doing it <sighs> she did look good uh she always looks good yeah she looks a little bit more beefy in the trailer too maybe so for the second was, one if you watch um black mirror yeah i haven't gotten if, past the first episode that's disheartening because it's an excellent show but she is in the i, I want to say the premiere of the third mm. season oh, okay i was gonna say and, yeah, and she's a little she's a little chunkier. It's kind of weird. I don't know if that was on purpose or that's just the state she was in when they filmed or what. But must have been. I wasn't thinking that she was like pudgy or anything. She's not like a porg. <laughs> she's. Uh, she I let her anally rape me. Like she'd hit the gym. Oh, beefy. Okay, I got you. I'm, I'm thinking pudgier. So I just was all body shaming for no reason. Thanks. That's right. You just, you just pet shamed her. You just left me hanging out to dry. I like I like that. That's great. Well, you, one good turn deserves another. You left me out to dry with the Game of Thrones episode. <laughs> that was just fact checking. <laughs> um, but I've I've done so good avoiding Star Wars trailers and spoilers and rewatching and rewatching and rewatching and mm-hmm. I have not gone to. I mean, other than our, we have a uh, we have a gentleman that walks the halls at work, just like beating the drum and ringing the bell <laughs> wanting to talk about conspiracy theories so bad so bad yeah like literally that's what he does he has a job that he has to do but instead of that he just walks the halls ringing a bell anybody want to talk about snoke <laughs> does anybody want to talk about <laughs> where his parents are heard a good one <laughs> and i gotta educate him no that doesn't make sense they're not gonna do this now he's probably gonna be listening to this and hate us why because we're dissing I- him Oh, I'm not dissing him. I'm giving him a shout out. Give him a shout out. There's a difference. You're famous now. You know who you are, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you do. But <laughs> it's all good. He's got the passion, though, and that's good. That's right. And, you know, that's what we need. So we need passionate people. I want, you know what I want? I want him to be a sounding board after I've seen the movie. Yeah. The, the con- <laughs> I've tried really, really hard to stay away from, like, things that could spoil potential because you can right now go online or you can talk to people that are like, well, it could be this, but if it's not that, then it could be this. And if it's not that, it could be this. So by the time you actually sit down and watch it, one of those conspiracies, I mean, unless they've totally and completely come out of left field, mm-hmm. one of those conspiracy theories is going to be correct. You know what it is. I'm going to say it again. God damn it. With one week out from the premiere, 
female clone of Darth Vader. I'm not letting that go. I'm not letting it go. You're going to go down with the ship, right? I'm going, I'm going to stand up in the middle of goddamn theater going, no! When the, when the credits start rolling, no! She's Darth Vader's motherfucking clone. It's the only <sighs> thing that works. Yeah. She's Anna Kin. See? She's Anna's kin. She's like, not just Anakin, but Anna with two N's. Ooh, see, and then the high there you go. There's another part of the conspiracy theory. The She's kin. Anna kin. K-I-N. Oh. Yep. George Mine. Lucas plan is all along. Oh, God, I hope not. <laughs> um. So, yeah. But Cinema samples. What if she was? What if George <laughs> Lucas did plan this all along? What, what if this if? is all a grand scheme? What if it is? What? Indeed if. You know, it got me thinking last week when we were talking about when you were talking about the uh, was it Alexandria's Alexand I don't know it was the library the one in Egypt Library of Alexandria Library of Alexandria Yeah, or Alexandra Alexandria and then you said well what if it hadn't burned down where would we be right and we wouldn't exist somebody would exist it would probably be a super race like humanity as a species where would the humanity be yes I that's actually. Um, so when we decided on this topic of doing what if theories, what if questions, mm-hmm. one of the things that I looked at online was very interesting. So I'll just I'll pose it right now, and you can can take it. See what I see what my take is. Okay. What if humans were twice as intelligent? You must have looked at exactly the same thing I did. <laughs> oh no! Don't tell me that one of your what ifs is going to be what if the polls. <laughs> what what if they weren't seasons <laughs> did you look at the same one like we slid like the click the thing and it went you know just like frame by frame picture by picture or maybe it's a different one but yes well, i was on mobile i was on the mobile so it was okay. just one so Let's yeah see. yes uh yes okay wait so i only picked out three of those okay and i that i didn't stick purely to that either so well most okay. of them were kind of dumb but there were three incredibly like the one that i found most fascinating so let's erase everything that we just said a few seconds ago. And this is okay. what I think is the most interesting. What if there were two races, uh, advanced races on the planet? See, now I, I did see that one because we obviously looked at the same website. Yeah. But I did not dwell on that one for some reason. So I can't, like, I kind of clicked past it. Well, so I'll don't... just, I'll say that what I gleaned from it was that it would be a constant war for resources. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, like okay, I guess the obvious one would be. Well, see, that's interesting because the first thing you think of is like Planet of the Apes, humans and other apes, because technically humans are apes, but humans and other apes are all sentient. And well, let's let's just say that it was a lizard. It was like reptilian people. See, that would be interesting too, because can reptiles form a cohesive society? Huh? Well, I mean, if they were advanced, it, what if, what if the only thing, like, I mean, the difference would be like our. DNA and all that. I I guess what I'm saying is is like what if they were reptile people and what if they were humans that were on a, a level intelligence? Right. And that's that's like one of the differences between mammals and reptiles is that reptiles don't have like communal living, like they don't have real societies. Like you'll know, you'll have mice that live together and work together and you know, monkeys and stuff that you know assist each other and groom each other and fight get make bands and go off and fight other monkeys and stuff like that. But reptiles are pretty much loners. They can hang out with other reptiles, but they're not forming up bands and going hunting together, you know, like wolves or something. So a super evolved reptile would, could be intelligent, but would also not have strong societies, you know, not the strength of numbers behind them. They'd be 
cold-blooded. Yeah. So they would be very... They could be assassins, you know? Like, they could be, like... We could use them as niche labor, like, you know, specific tasks. Well, hold on. They're at an equal intelligence. So these lizard people are not going to let us do that to but them. That's the problem because they wouldn't band together to be able, they wouldn't have the natural inclination to be able to band together to stop us from exploiting them. Yeah. Like if we discovered a sentient lizard race living at the center of the planet or something, you know, <laughs> oh, one of my favorites. Yeah. We could probably exploit the hell out of them because they would probably be like very low population. Okay. Very low cooperation. Well, let's just say hypothetically that something flipped in their brain to make them be that way. Like the only way that they would survive. Like, so like they, they evolved to survive by banding together. So every in every way they're as smart and capable as us. They just are physically different. Yes. So we'd probably be fucked because they'd probably be, you know, they have scales and claws and shit, right? Sharper teeth than we do. Mm-hmm. So physically they could probably overwhelm us see yeah i'm just i i started thinking about the porn that we'd have between humans and reptile people <laughs> oh, okay no i got you <laughs> see my brain went to a completely different place actually if i remember right did i say something last week like yeah you can put boobs on a snake and it'd still be <laughs> that work for me <laughs> with the tongues yeah yes i remember that conversation yeah. tongues okay yeah. <laughs> okay and then and then the the other what if that really intrigued me was the uh, what if there were no seasons? What if the Earth w- didn't tilt? That what I did look at. Yes, that was pretty cool because if all it all it if you think about it, like oh, winter, summer, spring, fall, whatever, it's just different temperatures. We probably we would either be never have developed civilization or be we'd be extinct. Like we would have kind of rose and fell already. Yeah. Well, agriculture, the thing that caught my eye was the fact that agriculture would have been uh, it would have been nothing because there'd just be plagues and plagues of insects yeah. and like whatever rhythm that we're on keeps the insects off our crops long enough for us to harvest them and <clears throat> without yes, the wheat depends on there being a cold season, maybe not out and out winter winter, but there has to be a cold season because that's how wheat works, I guess. But the thing that really interested me was that you can't grow crops, like not even wheat. You can't you can't farm in the tropics almost at all because the soil, like if, in rainforests, the soil gets washed away by the rain all the time, so it can't keep the nutrients and everything. So you just can't have a wide, diverse variety of crops on a dependable basis. And that I read this book called The Revenge of Geography years ago, and he talks about what's called the lucky latitudes, mm-hmm. which is Around the equator, the tropics is easy to live as long as you can avoid diseases and stuff because you can just you don't have to worry about exposure and stuff like that. But the more you move north into the more temperate climates, the harder it is to live, which creates and this is this has been a theory that's called racist, but I don't think it is. It's just geography. But the hot, the higher northern climates create stronger societies because you can make cities because you can do agriculture uh harsh uh, even further north harsh winters force you to band together force you to develop technologies to beat the cold away and stay warm which is you know fosters innovation and industry and cooperation and that's why all the strongest societies in the world were a away from the equator and b eventually in the north 
and I'm not even talking Europe. I mean, China's a, like China was a super strong society because they had to deal with these types of things. And so if we never would have had real seasons, then we would have never developed society. We never would have developed civilization technology. We would just be like, you know, chimpanzees are now. Grab a bananas out of trees, you know, being scared of lions and, you know, all that stuff. That'd be it. <laughs> All the things chimpanzees do. All the ch- bananas and lions. All they want. And perform in the circus. <laughs> We'd be like juggling balls and riding unicycles. It would have been horrible. <laughs> uh, Wait, do chimpanzees ride unicycles? I'm sure they've found a chimpanzee to ride a unicycle. Yeah. Yeah, that's got to be it. It seems to me that of all the things that they would have a chimpanzee riding a uh, unicycle would be one of them. If not, it's a tragedy. Yes, the lack of seasons, that was a pretty good one. I did like that. Yeah. What are, what are uh, some other what-ifs? Well, you mentioned it, the the IQ thing, though. What if we were twice as smart as we are now? Mm-hmm. What what came up? What what stood out to you about that one? The headline. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I formed my own opinion immediately. Um, so what do you think? What would happen if... I, I think that... Well, the one, the one thing I read about the higher the double the intelligence was that people would be less religious yeah the guy the, the guy made a point i saw that he's like as people get smarter people get less religious but he like really quick tried to cover his ass by saying not that there would be no religion because some of the smartest people in history were really religious like isaac newton was freaky religious you know stuff mm-hmm. like that and i'm sitting there in my you know completely biased position as an atheist guy yes but I'm like, nah, if most people, in the, if, if something weird happened and our IQ, the average IQ went from 100 to 200, you know, doubled. I think it's like, yeah, most people would not be religious. And the people that might be more inclined to be religious wouldn't be just because it'd be so weird to be religious. Like, let's be honest. A lot of people are super religious because that's why every, because everybody around them is. And it's just what they know. You just grew up in the culture. You grew up in, you know just being told that's the way things are and you're like okay you don't think about it you just are so if everybody you, you we we adapt we, we become beige you know we normalize ourselves to what's around us for the most part if what's around us is irreligion then you might be inclined to think it but for the most part you're gonna be like no yeah all right never mind then that's what yeah, I, i'm i'm not gonna disagree with that but i do think that being religious like super religious and being uh having faith it could probably be separated because yeah. even the even the smartest people, I mean, when they dwell on their own existence, and who knows, maybe if you're super duper smart and you start dwelling on your own existence, maybe you come up with some different theories about faith and and that's I guess I should have explained. Yeah, that's kind of what I mean. Is like religion as we know, it, like the codified. You know, this is what the book says is true, so or it's got to be true. Yeah, organized. Like you're, I don't think we. I mean, you never know how people can evolve. You know, thousands and hundreds of thousands of years down the road, but the impulses that give rise to religion aren't going to go away. The pattern recognition, the fear of death, the, you know, the the curiosity of what's unknown, stuff like that, the things that gave rise to religion that are ingrained in us aren't going to go away. So if everybody starts looking at, you know, Hinduism saying, what the fuck is this? And starts abandoning it and then goes to Christianity and Islam and Buddhism and whatever else you have, not Scientology, because that makes perfect sense, but anything else, <laughs> you can't get rid of Zenu. But 
if you go if you get rid of all that stuff, you just like throw out all the holy books and you're like, yeah, okay, this is all a bunch of bullshit. You give it a generation at the most, and somebody's gonna come up with something else that's not exactly proven or supported by evidence, but it's going to be, for want of a better word, religious, spiritual. Well, I mean, they'd have superstitious twice the intelligence to come up with a way to manipulate people. Oh yeah. And well, that was also part of the thing he said, like regular street crime type of stuff will probably disappear, but really complex white collar corporate espionage type of crime would probably increase. So yeah, you would if you had a religious or superstitious type of group of people, they'd have a very tightly narrative, philosophically sound bunch of hokum <laughs> coming out, but it would be really tempting, you know, probably. That would that's an interesting thought. Like what if people were twice as intelligent? Would there be less uh, murders, less, you know, need for firearms? Would there be less war? I think so. I think because, I mean, just look at it this way. If you have everybody has an IQ of 200, like the, that's the average IQ. A genius is considered 150 something, I think. I guess it depends on the scale. But for the most part, genius is considered 150. So that means everybody on the planet is a higher than genius IQ. That means, okay, look at the state of the world today. People live better today than they ever have in the history of humanity. Like we are, whether you want to believe it or not, living in the golden age of humanity. Fewer people are hungry, poor, wanting for anything. There's fewer wars. There really are. You are less likely to die of violence now than at any other time in human history. In fact, at the 20th century, since the 21st century is not done with, we can only talk about 20th century, but the 20th century was the least violent century in the history of humanity. Two world war, two world wars, Vietnam, you know all that rigmarole, and yet you're still less likely to die a violent death than you were at any other point in history. We keep getting better. Why? Because we keep coming up with better ways to do things, better ways to use our resources, better ways to keep each other alive, better ways to satisfy all the wants and needs of people. So if everybody was a super genius, we'd be at less wars because we wouldn't need to have wars. We'd figure out some better way to do what we need to get done. Uh, you know, we wouldn't have to murder people in the street to do blah, 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 because we'd have an app for that, you know, <laughs> something like that. But I mean, it just seems to me that some of these people that are like serial killers and maybe it's just in the media, maybe it's just like in movies and stuff like that. But like there are a lot of these psychopaths that are I mean, now you take these people, if if you're just giving them intelligence and not taking away any of the other faults, like you'd have people with severe behavioral issues that are now super geniuses so you'd have yeah. psychopaths that are now smarter and able to be psychopaths that are <laughs> you know get away with things or you know i it just it seems to me that you know just just having more intelligence doesn't solve the other problems that people have with their brains or yeah well i mean not in and of itself like just having like just having an iq doesn't make you a good person you know right I mean, your impulses and your behaviors might change to some degree, but just because you're smarter, you know, doesn't necessarily mean that you wouldn't try and kidnap somebody and keep them in a, you know, shipping container in your backyard, torturing and raping them. So you just now probably be smart enough to know what to do to not get caught. But would the other person be smart enough to know what to do to make sure you get caught? (laughs) But look at it this way. Where does psychopathy live? You know, where do, where does bipolar schizophrenia where is this all born in the brain in the brain so if everybody's a super genius somebody's gonna be able to map out the brain and find out exactly what structure and what 
bundle of neurons and what you know fontanelle is going to that's probably not the word i need to use anyways what our medicine would be better yeah our psychology would be better like you could say okay this kid is totally gonna be a psychopath but we'll give him this little shock here and take two of these pills and he'll be fine and that's it you know so just be just being smart is not gonna be the cure for it but being smart will find the cure for it oh i see so or being smart enough to know what to do with these people if there's right. no cure for them, you can send them to Nebraska and fence them in. Yeah, because fuck Nebraska. <laughs> Nobody needs. We'll have super core by then. Nobody needs Nebraska. Yeah, that was an interesting one. The uh, <laughs> double the IQ, double the intelligence. Um, I'm trying to see what other ones that I find. Ah, one I liked, and this is kind of a twofold one. What if we find alien life, but it's not quite what you're thinking, or what most people would think right away. So like bacteria? Well, that's one thing. Like what would, what if we found alien life, what would be the impact on our world today? Not what would first contact be like? What would the aliens be like? Still there? I am. My computer went to sleep. Oh, okay. 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 You froze a little bit. Anyways, like if we found al- definitive proof of alien life, e- whether it be like ET or little worms crawling on a meteor somewhere, what do you think the impact would be for our society today? Like if tomorrow, the president got on, said, okay, we have it. We have definitive proof of alien life. NASA's confirmed it. It's true. There's no ifs or buts. And then every government on the planet had their own independent scientists go, yep, we, we, we got it. It's there. We are not alone in the universe. What do you think would happen in a month, you know, in a year to society? Well, I can't wrap my head around what would happen to society without giving it a little bit of a thought. But I know personally, my immediate thought process is that's a possibility for a new plague or a possibility for an introduction of a new you know disease or something like i wouldn't imagine any like that when i think about movies with aliens and stuff like that i think about they would have had to have been here for so long for our us to grow an immunity to whatever Mm -hmm. they're bringing because i highly doubt that an alien species coming to our planet would not have some sort of medical impact on us Um, yeah you're probably right i mean i guess it's theoretical you could say like oh some advanced species would have just become all robots by now and it wouldn't be biological at all but even i mean it's it's that's just kind of (laughs) hokey but yeah like if we found some kind of like space bug yeah there was a space bug my immediately my immediate thought was uh they'd have to contain it in such a way it would have to be quarantined or you know, keep it in outer space or do whatever you need to do to keep it off the planet. I know that uh, every time NASA uh, launches something to another planet, like they're really, really diligent about making sure there's nothing on it from Earth that would contaminate Mars because their biggest fear is, you know, they send a rover to Mars with a water bug on it and then it lands on Mars and then they're looking for life and they're like, oh my God, there's water bugs on Mars. If it's well, just ours. Yeah. It's just our water bugs. Or if there is some sort of species or some sort of alien life up there, and then we send up a rover with a water bug on it, and then that species <laughs> is just like a horrible genocide. Yeah, genocide on the planet Mars because we decided to explore it. Which you know, fuck whatever, em. fuck them. Well, I, okay. So uh, hypothetically, let's say they we we a, a meteor. Like I actually read a book kind of about this once, but like a meteor crash lands on the planet it is completely quarantined like there's no there's no danger of 
space influenza making its rounds, just the knowledge that there is life elsewhere in the universe. What do you think people, how, how do you think people would react to that? Um, I think that probably it would be close to the very beginning of Independence Day where you'd have really <laughs> enthusiastic people going, you know, crazy. I Maybe in today's society where we have instant information, it's a, it's different. I remember back in the 80s, <clears throat> like fads like that. You'd have people lying in the street with signs that say, you oh, know, yeah, yeah. come home ET or something like that. Where nowadays you'd probably have people park their ass in front of the TV and watch Fox News or CNN 24-7 trying to get as much information about it as they can. Because it is. It's it's compelling. It's yeah, yeah. like I'd want to know everything I possibly could about it. And my imagination would go wild um, as far as like the economy or like I don't know. I don't know what would happen to the stock market the day they announced that alien life <laughs> was real. But um, you would probably have television executives on the phone immediately trying to get, trying to buy rights to things you'd have, um, you know, you'd probably have all these scientific or science organizations that are trying to lay claim to things immediately. You know, ISIS would probably <laughs> claim responsibility. You know what I mean? Like, well, that's, that's to, kind of what I'm be, thinking. Yeah. Well, to be honest, I feel like it would be business as usual. <laughs> you know, it, I, you can't get the the news right now is so sensationalized that I just right now described everything. Like the stock market, stock market's going to be impacted by X. You know, a terrorist organization is going to take responsibility of X. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's almost like if they introduced, if they said there is alien life. I guess it would depend if it's intelligent or not. If they said, yep, they, they, a meteor grazed the international space station. And then all of a sudden there were these new space worms that they're not intelligent, but that, you know, I, I want to say that there would be a big collective yawn. (laughs) (laughs) See, I don't think, I think people would freak. You think so? Like riding in the streets or? Ah, not that bad, but I think people get stupid. Like, a, okay, like let's say, like my, like I talked about, like a meteor crash landed on the planet, and it was known to have, you know, like complex, like almost like insect-like life that was not intelligent but definitely alive, not bacteria, but definitely like a complex organism that reproduced and blah blah blah, and it was from somewhere off the planet. I think if that location became known, different religious groups would try to blow it up, like straight out, not not necessarily ISIS, but definitely isis not necessarily like i i truly think that there'd be some religious groups that would be freaking because that would destroy at some part of what they uh you know claim the state of the universe is now not most of them by any means because religion is nothing if not adaptable most most religious groups would just fold it in and say yeah no it's all part of god's plan but uh there'd be some that i think would freak out but the biggest thing i think would happen cults like i the Brand new cults will be forming within like two, three months. The space bug cult. Space bug cults would be springing up all over the goddamn place. Like, uh, you know, look at the hail bop thing, the Heaven's Gate. Yeah. That was based on zero anything except for there's a comet passing by and we can go and put our, we kill ourselves and we'll put our consciousness up there. Jeez, I think some of those dudes castrated themselves. I mean, that's how crazy it got. So, what do you do when you're in a cult? Yeah, well, you know, you got to do something. <laughs> I don't know. You can't they, just sit there and wear a jumpsuit all day. You got to, it gets boring. 
There was a headline that came across Yahoo News a couple weeks ago that some Russian on the International Space Station said that there was a bacteria that formed up there that, I don't know. I, I Honestly, that's exactly how I feel it would go, is I ignored I ignored it as fake, you know, fake news. Well, that's, and, that's the thing. Like, if it's corroborated over and over again, then all of a sudden you can't ignore it. That would That would be the, yeah, you're right. If it was like one stupid pop-up ad guess what we found aliens like yep sure click don't care yeah and but if it was like a press release from like like i said the president uh, and nasa and also the chinese and the russians and the european space agency are all getting on there and saying the same thing oh yeah this is legit then i think people would start losing their shit i really do well if you remember from the movie the arrival yeah yeah, they sort of explored it a little bit about I, I want to say there was no dialogue in that whole scene. It was just like television reporters was the most dialogue. And it was along the lines of classroom, you know, people wheeling TVs into classrooms mm-hmm. and, you know, people on the street checking their phones with the news. And I like, I don't disagree that people would kind of get lathered up a little bit as anything, as any big news, like, the space shuttle blowing up or nine eleven or those types of things. Like I feel like if they, if the president held a press press conference and said, we've been contacted by intelligent life. Uh, they're right now communicating with the international space station. They come in peace. Uh, it's a message of peace, you know, mm. yada, yada, yada. I, I feel like, I really feel like people would pay attention for a week. And then if no, there was no further news, <laughs> it would, you know, like the stock market would jump and, you know, commemorative welcome alien signs would be made. And, you know, I really feel like as a society, we've been so just bombarded with sensational news that, you know, we have a shell where we're immune to that kind of stuff that we're we're in a generation now where like ridiculous news is 24 seven and we're just sitting here consuming it. And if they said, you know, the aliens are proven to be real, you'd have, you know, 300 million Americans sitting there going, well, how's this going to impact me? (laughs) I still have to go to work in the morning, you know? Right. I, you know, I still have to feed my family. I still have to, you know, make sure the stock market is doing what I want it to do. I still have to, you know, but my show's on, you know, you're going to (laughs) interrupt my fucking football game for this. But that alien's not cool as the one I'm watching now. Yeah, but I I think that that's how it would be. I don't think it would necessarily be ho hum, but I think that it would be uh, think, yeah an I unwanted it... distraction that people would be like, okay, cool, we all knew that. We've watched enough movies where you know, oh, they're coming, they're going to be in, they're coming in peace. What are they going to look like? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think it depends on, like you said, how much we're getting. Like if it was the International Space Station or. SETI or something like that gets you know coded message that from beyond that's obviously intelligent but all it is is like the equivalent of interstellar morse code and that's it it would be huge and then it would disappear you're right yeah like if 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 SETI got a message back saying we're an alien species we're peaceful we're so many light years away there's no way we're ever going to get to you but here's our message mm-hmm. you know i i think that it would be I mean, I think I think they would try to build up community. I think there would be a lot of like committees about okay, what do we want to say back to them if we can send a message back? Yes, 
stuff but like that. It would, it would be very engaging, but also you're right, very like background noise to most this, people. This too. is what I imagine. I imagine uh, Monday Night Football. I'm sitting here watching it, and they decide that they're going to release to the people of you know that they had received a message from an intelligent life force that can't make it here, but their message did. I guarantee that would be a scrawl across the bottom of the screen. <laughs> you know what I mean? See, I don't think so. I think if it was if it was actionable, like like verified, everybody was on board with the same the same uh you know, everybody was agreeing. Everybody was saying, Yes, this is true. We're not fighting about this. There's no contention here. We're, there's no disagreement. I think it would be at least interrupted. I don't think so. I bet I think that it would be a bumper commercial. It would be a <laughs> bumper commercial for the eleven o'clock news where they'd say uh, SETI receives an intelligent signal from outer space. News at 11. Man, and then you'd go I, back to your show. I'm just not that cynical. I really, like, that would literally, I mean, whether people react or not, that would literally be the most momentous thing to ever happen to the history of human humankind. Ser- seriously. Like, that's a, a verified, no ambiguity to it whatsoever message from an alien species. That would be the biggest thing to ever happen in history, ever. I think it would be, but I don't think people would think that. I know, and I, I, just, I don't think the masses that, would think that. Like, I'm at the point where I'm that cynical yet. I, I, I think people would, I think people would freak. People would insert their own ideas into it. Where, like I said, the cults would come in. They get stupid about it. I think I agree. I think that would all happen over time, and we'd all pay attention to it like a fucking reality TV show. Like the Westboro Baptist Baptist Church would like do something different, and we'd all like sit back and watch <laughs> it on the news. You know, God hates space facts. <laughs> God hates space facts. But like, if uh, you know, if SETI, if they did a a news, come across the news and said, uh, SETI has received uh, blueprints from an intelligent species in outer space for a better mousetrap, people would be like, <laughs> you know, what we're describing here, species. Yeah. So if all these aliens look like Natasha Hens- Natasha Henstridge. Oh dear God. Mm, yeah. So I we mean, just described the arrival, contact, and species. Yeah, that's great. But I mean, I like you're you're right about one thing, and I think that that would contact probably gets it the best. How does that movie end in a fucking courtroom? Yeah, that's exactly to, yeah. what would happen. There would be a congressional hearings. There would be you know somebody would have mishandled information. Uh, somebody would be like fighting for their congressional seat because. You know, they were on a committee that didn't handle it properly. You know what I mean? It would just, it would probably be stupid. As shit. Yeah, and my hypotheticals were very pie in the sky because you're right. If, if some coded message hit SETI, A, they probably wouldn't tell the wider public about it at all. Or B, you'd have different factions be like, oh, fake news, fake news. It's, it's right. the fucking Democrats trying to distract us from this or the Republicans <laughs> trying to tell us that or some bullshit. Yep. Like immediately one huge swath of the population would distrust the source yep. right off the bat. And then the other swath would be like, you guys a bunch of mouth-breathing morons. No, it's fucking fake. It's trying to, you know, get us to give up our blah, 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 so they can blah, 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 the New World Order, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Meanwhile, yeah. Why don't they give us some good information, like improving our microwaves? I want to heat up my pot pie in half the yeah. time. Why I want glasses a- yeah. that'll heat up pizza just by looking at it. That's what I want. <laughs> Ooh. That's that's actually a pretty good invention. Yeah, I should work on that. I've been spying that Portland Pie Company pizza box behind you, and I've been thinking, I want some pizza. <laughs> there is there. Hey, it's from last week. You don't want that pizza. 
Why is there a pizza box from last week behind you? Because I didn't throw it out yet. I'll get like, to it. Is that an air freshener? <laughs> you don't like the smell of pizza? Is that what you're telling I me? I love the smell of pizza. See, that's why I asked, that's why I want to know if it was a air freshener. Because that would be really the only legitimate reason to have a pizza box for a week. <laughs> that and I put it there and the Fogato existed. That's a legit reason. <laughs> oh, the single life. Oh, God, yes. Anyway, so she sell the oat boxes. That was sad. <laughs> um, uh, okay, well, unless you had some more like deep thought, what ifs? I've got a, I've got a what if that I think we can delve into a little bit. That's a well, little bit more the alien thing. I, there was a second part to that. You know, what if we made contact? Blah blah blah. What if we are the most advanced form of life, at least in the galaxy, and then we make contact? Like we get to the point where we're spacefaring you know, Star Trek style, and we make contact with a intelligent race, but a much more primitive race. What do you think would happen? I think that we'd probably either try and leave them alone and document it, mm-hmm. or if there were like some sort of humanitarian involvement we could get into, that that might happen. Yeah, it would, do you think would... we would try to mold them into our image, like give them democracy and all kinds of stuff, or do you think we would Star Trek style be like, oh, fifth directive or whatever the fuck it was? You can't leave stay, you can't mess yeah. with them. Yeah, I'd say that it would be closer to the let's leave them alone and study them. The Discovery Channel would probably send, you know, BBC would probably send a film crew and do some sort of slow motion cool <laughs> shit. They'd resurrect Richard Attenborough to do the voiceover or something. Yeah, a documentary on an alien species. Get Morgan Freeman's clone that's yeah. head in a jar to do the narration. See, my the cynical part of me thinks if if we discovered an alien species somewhere. That had they were sitting on some resource we needed, you know, we'd fuck them up and take it. Yeah. Oh, definitely. <laughs> there was a comic book I read a while ago. I think it came out maybe I, I want to say like fifteen, twenty years ago, but I could be wrong. I don't remember the name of it, so it doesn't matter. But the idea is that yeah, we are the one of the most, if not the most advanced species going out there, and they have protocols for it. Like if a alien species is discovered, people, that's team of whatever scientists will go and make contact. And determine if the species is intelligent. So they would do tests, like draw pictures, do mathematical rhythms, and you know, see if they could do pattern recognition and stuff like that. And in this comic book, this woman's in charge of the team, and she's doing these things with these aliens, and they're not responding in understandable ways, but still responding in de- deliberative ways. Like they're not doing two plus two equals five, like drawing hash marks, but they're still making responses. Like they understand something's being communicated. They're just responding in a, well, an alien way. And she's like, she like gives a report like, oh, you know, they're not our kind of intelligent, but they are intelligent. And some being counter is like, well, did they pass the test? And she's like, well, technically no. It's like, well, okay. And the next thing you know, like they're coming in just napalming the entire area, yeah. wiping out the species because they didn't check the right box on the bureaucratic form. So they could, so the law says they can be wiped out. Yeah. I'm like, Maybe yeah, have... that sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> well, we need all their unobtainium. Oh, God. <laughs> Fucking movie. Oh, that was so bad. Still haven't seen it. Oh, don't, don't. Do yourself a favor and don't see it. You know, I'm going to, because they just built that huge Avatar land at Disney World, so I have to at least be in the know when I go there. Is there a demand for that? Like, James Cameron's going to make, like, he said he plans, like, seven parts or some bullshit like that. Yeah, that seems... Is there even a demand for that anymore? Like, who's clamoring for the Avatar sequel? Nobody's clamoring for the Avatar sequel except James Cameron. Yeah, because he made a billion dollars on it. Mm-hmm. And Disney. 
Disney went, they didn't go all in, but they built a huge section for their park. Yeah. It's huge. <laughs> so it's Disney. So they're like, your motherfuckers are going to like it whether you like it yep, or not. Crank it out. Crank out. Get that money. <laughs> we need people to show up. So I'm just going by human history. First contact between te- technologically superior civilization and one not so technologically superior doesn't usually go well for the lower civilization. Well, it, it depends on what you mean by less technological because I've seen the movie Guns. Aliens. <laughs> yeah. Hey, get out of here, stupid dog. He's trying to eat my I'm pretzels. Oh, he's he's contrite, you can tell. Yes, my puppy. Oh, look at that. He says, rub my face. I need to get a gerbil. You know, a hamster, something. I need something to love me. A guinea pig. Which Are there is... any guinea pigs in the wild? Seriously. Do guinea <laughs> pigs live outside of pet stops, pet stores, and, you know, crappy apartments? Seriously. There are no guinea pigs in the wild. Feral guinea pigs. Is that a thing? Uh, what if there were feral guinea pigs? What if there were feral guinea pigs? We'd probably be overrun. <laughs> Those little, sly little bastards. Fat little things coming and chewing our toes. You should get a fish or a plant. Something where it does, where if it dies, I don't give a shit. Yeah, that's yeah. a good, that's a good idea. Try and keep it alive as long as you possibly can. If I had a fish, I would tap the glass all day, every day. Would you? Are you one of those people? Oh God, yes. I'd be like, come on, fish, do something. Go in the castle. Go in the castle. I have a a sucker fish. You know what that is? A one that thinks it's cool but really isn't. <laughs> no, he doesn't wear a flat brimmed hat. He uh, his friends told me he's cool and he believed it. That's why he's a sucker fish. Well, he's uh he cleans the algae. That's uh, why they call him sucker fish. But they're they basically cling to the side of the tank with their suction, trying to clean the algae, trying to eat it. And this thing's a monster, an absolute monster. He's like tipping over shit. Like we've got giant like castles and pineapples and trees and shit, <laughs> and he's just flipping them over like. He's fuck this shit. Yeah, it's all a lie. He's gigantic compared to you know what you normally a, think of one of those fish. He's the Godzilla of the. Uh, your he is. He is absolutely a Godzilla. I can't remember what we named him, but we should name him. We should rename him to Godzilla. Godzilla. Okay, so what was your new what if? The... Well, okay, so this I don't know where it's going to go. I don't know if it's a touchy subject. It probably won't be, but. Uh, what if the 1989 Batman did not get made? Hmm. Do you think that we would still be in the state of successful comic book movies? See, I do just because, I mean, A, there were successful comic movies before. Superman. Like, like Superman. And, um, okay, there was one successful. <laughs> well, the second one did pretty good. So two successful comic book movies. Um. But I mean, that was, okay, so that's a franchise. Let's yeah. just say what other successful comic book franchises came before 1989 Batman. Hmm. That's a t- I did not, so it's like comic book movies in particular. Um, I guess there really aren't. I mean, they've made crappy direct-to-video stuff right around the same time. and Yeah, I mean, I'm talking something that had the overwhelming success that Batman had. Right. So let's just say... Tim Burton decided to do something else and the 1989 Batman never got made. What if? Right. And I'm not saying that we wouldn't have like, because what followed that was kind of a hit or miss, like a dip in toes in water kind of thing. It, I don't, 
I, I want to say the next thing that came along after that was Spider-Man. And that was 2001. Well, Blade was pretty successful. Yeah, you're right. Blade was. And then Blade X-Men, wasn't very mainstream. I think X-Men was before Spider-Man. I think, I think X-Men was... Because I remember seeing previews for X-Men when I was in college. And Spider-Man came out right around 2001. So I think, yeah, I think the X-Men started before Spider-Man did. But, the original X-Men movie. Yeah, the first X-Men movie. But you're right, because the because of the success of Batman, A, the sequels that were shitty got made, even though they were shitty. And then finally Batman and Robin put the nail in that coffin. But by that time, Blade was coming out, which was pretty popular. Then the X-Men, then Spider-Man. But without the, I, I don't know how you'd say it, the permission that the original Batman gave the industry would anybody have taken the risk? Like I could see another super a Superman got rebooted before any of the other stuff like X Men got made, just because people knew Superman. Right. Like, yeah, I Superman see was Super- household name. About the time that they uh, you know quote unquote killed off Superman in the nineties, I could see them if Batman hadn't dominated the thoughts of the moviegoer, I could see DC trying to push for a Superman reboot around yeah. that time. So who knows? Maybe we got the edgy dark Superman like Man of Steel way earlier and people would have been like yeah that's cool and then now in 2017 we begin like the reboot where superman's like wearing a black suit and punching people through the face and dissolving their brains or something like that. <laughs> and, and nobody would think twice about it i'd be like yeah no that's exactly what superman does i mean they yeah. tailored comic books they've changed characters in comic books to match what was going on in the movies because they just want to cash in on the movie success on a comic book that wasn't so successful yeah like they changed marvel's done a huge with all kinds of stuff but they've they've done a lot of different things. So I can see if the gritty nineties version of Superman that would have gotten made was successful, all of a sudden the comic version with the red underwear on the outside and the bright colors kind of slowly fades away. Like, look at Batman. Batman was campy as shit before Tim Burton. Well, the on screen version of Batman was campy right. as shit. The Adam West version. Yeah. Of Batman like, was the version most bonkers. people knew was Pow, Zap, Bang, Zorro, right. you know. You know, Batman shark repellent spray, you know, shit like that. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, that was the version most people thought of. And they saw Tim Burton's thing like, what the hell? This is Batman? Yeah. And it was it was awesome. And it was never the same. Then Nolan came along. You're not going to ever think of Batman like Adam West again. So if a gritty version of Superman came along, you would never think it could have changed the entire character forever. Yeah. So what if the 1989 Batman movie hadn't come along? Things would be different. I think something would have taken its place and it would have. It would definitely be different, but something would be there. Because like America was franchise. ready. The world was ready. Right. For Some, that kind of movie. Had the, the franchise idea. Like a wealth of material ready made with a fan base that can expand pretty quickly. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's, you start with the kids and the and the nerds, and then it goes bigger from there. <laughs> so, yeah. there. What do you think? I mean. Yeah. I, I mean, I think <laughs> you're the expert there. But uh, I think I was thinking more along the lines of, We'd still have comic book movies, but they wouldn't be as dominant. Yeah, you're probably right because it it was a domino effect starting with Batman. Yeah, and or or we'd and, just be starting now, maybe or something like that. Yeah, well, and this kind of I got another thought about like what if CGI didn't advance, just the technology didn't exist, or the technology was too difficult or too costly, or what if CGI didn't didn't advance at the rate that it had and movies were stuck with practical effects because you go back to the 80s and you watch some of those movies and they were forced into practical effects practically you know what i mean like 
for the most part, they were forced into practical effects. CGI existed and it, it was what it was. But with today's, you know, TVs and today's high definition stuff like that, some of that old CG from the 80s is almost unwatchable. Yeah, it's well, some of the old CG from the 90s is almost unwatchable. Yeah. So we talked about it before the third alien movie was laughable with the CGI. Yeah. But, so uh, just kind of like what if what if CGI didn't advance the way it did, we wouldn't have see... these movies that we have now with like we talked about it earlier. These new Marvel movies are essentially cartoons. They're cartoons. Yeah. You're watching a video game. You're you're watching uh, you know at least half of what you're watching is on a green screen. Mm-hmm. It's digitally, you know, put there and you know, not all of it, but then a movie like Mad Max Fury Road comes along and just mm-hmm. totally and completely blows that right out of the water. Right. And maybe we'd be getting better movies if practical effects had to advance further because of CGI, lack of CGI. You know what I mean? Like the, the See, practical yeah, effects that I'm they thinking. were, the practical effects that they were pulling off in Mad Max Fury Road were, it feels to me like nearly impossible to get away with in the 80s with, you know, the technology and the budgets and things along those lines. Yeah. I mean, it feels like they maybe could have, but just like, like the potential was there, but nobody had the vision for it. Or maybe like you said, just the budget for it or something like that. But the choreography that was required to do that. Can you imagine, can you imagine what practical effects would be like today? If CGI were too expensive and too hard to do, like how Hollywood would have been forced into advancing their practical effects departments. Like, light year you know we'd have unbelievable movies right now like cgi might not advance but robotics would have you know yeah well just Um, like what if what if cgi for whatever reason what if cgi just didn't advance the way it did just imagine the practical effects that we'd have the movies have that were with practical effects because they wouldn't they would never they wouldn't have gone backwards in technology they wouldn't have gone backwards in quality they would have only advanced in quality and practical effects are awesome. I mean, practical mm-hmm. effects rule. So just imagine what kind of movies we'd be getting right now. I, I really think, like I said, I think they would have been forced because incentives is what drives innovation. So if Hollywood wants, like if people start to get bored with movies, like it's the same old thing. Oh, they made Friday the 13th, 23, and it's another, you know, melon popping, throwing red paint all around and looks just as cheesy as Friday the 13th, five, you know, people, like the movie going audience would be like, all right, I'm going to sit this one out. And then if Hollywood, especially, you know, sci-fi action movies wanted to retain eyeballs, the necessity would have been to create, like I said, like advanced robotics, bigger explosion, better choreography of what's going on. So fast forward 30 years, we, I mean, we could almost be living in a place where our general robotics knowledge for everyday life is higher because of the need that, people would have had to make better movies. <laughs> That'd be kind of funny. It's like, you know, wars create the need to make better medical advances and also we have MRIs and shit like that. It'd be like the need to create better movie effects gives us all robot butler. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine? Well, That'd be so weird. Well, I mean, we're in 2017 and we both know somebody that's been out recently with surgery and the amount of time that she was going to be out depended on whether or not she could have the robotic surgery versus a human surgery. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's 2017, and we know people that are having robotic surgery and right. how how superior it is 
in the time it takes them to heal from it. I, I really think in the future, doctors are going to be guys standing behind glass hitting buttons. Like, it'll be irresponsible for somebody to actually use their human hands to try to cut somebody open to do something. Yeah. Like, I think that's going to be the thing. I think we, man, can you imagine, though, that we'd be there because somebody's like, I want to make <laughs> the thing sequel. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We have. But I don't want to use claymation anymore. Uh, what do we got? What do we got? Uh, nothing. All well, right. All right what can we invent? What can we invent? And also, robot tentacles everywhere. <laughs> robot tentacles. The Japanese would invent that first, though, for different reasons. Yes. I'd watch that. <laughs> uh, never got into the tentacle stuff. Anyways, <laughs> just saying. I don't, I don't get it. It's a weird fetish that I don't understand, but to each their own, I guess. Japanese are strange. We all know this. What if Jesus were born in the summertime? Some, some, summer, summertime. Summertime. Christmas would be in July. Well, you know the truth about that, right? That nobody really knows the season. In fact, it probably wasn't, you know, December. Yeah, not that Hush it was December. Hush your tone. I know that when Jesus was born. The uh, early church just slapped something on a winter solstice. It's Christmas is a newest iteration of a winter solstice celebration. That goes back as long as there've been people. As long as people have been living in cold weather, there's been a winter solstice celebration. The defeat of the long night and the triumph of the days becoming longer. It's a uh, hey, we're past. We're, we're we got to bolster our spirits because the dark times are coming. The the heart of winter is coming, but the days are getting longer, and we're going to celebrate that. There's been a version of that in every society that lives in a cold winter climate. At some point. Christians are like, yeah, and uh, Jesus was born here too. Yeah, or born Jesus too, was so. born on December twenty fifth. You can't Super. convince me otherwise. Yeah, so yeah, that's when I get that... my presents. <laughs> Jesus is born here. He wants you all to give each other shit. Yes. Boom. You know that early like pilgrims and shit. The Puritans didn't celebrate Christmas because they thought it was gaudy and distracted from the true worship of God or some crap like that. Like they yeah. thought Christmas was bad. They also only had sex the missionary style, so. But they drink a lot of beer, too. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All I know is show. that I like I like Christmas. I like the traditions that come with Christmas. I like my own. I settle into my own groove. I stay in my own lane. I'm not going to fuck with anybody else's religion. I'm not going to fuck with anybody else's holidays. As long as nobody fucks with my, you know, Menorah. up a Christmas tree and listening to Christmas music and celebrating the way I want to celebrate. Yeah. Regardless of when Jesus was born. I like the tradition of Christmas. Yeah, and that's everybody does. Like I like you have mentioned before, I am an atheist. I still like Christmas. I like the feeling of it. I like the, you know, celebration, the coming together, the goodwill. The people and the decorations. Goods. Yeah, the baked goods, gaining ten pounds. Like <laughs> like nothing. Uh then the guilt and shame of January. Yeah, it's great. Anyways. <laughs> But uh, um, I mean, I enjoy it. It's, it's like it's like I said, it's a celebration. It's a it's a big fuck you to dying of cold and starvation that might happen in years past. I don't know. Still like Halloween better because slutty outfits. But you know, right? I don't know if you can say. see what this dog is doing, but he is he is he's out doing, of it. He's doing what you were doing last week. Yeah, he is totally and completely like his. He's <laughs> he's trying <laughs> he so hard to keep him. his eyes open, and he can't. He can't do it. He He's, wants to be a good co-host. He does. You're probably going to be witness to a seizure here in a second. Oh, shit. I've... No, I, he's not due for a seizure. He goes in these cycles, but... Look at him. <laughs> he's... Oh, he's going to lose it. He's going to fall off the couch. 
There's a what if for you. What if dogs could start talking? Holy fuck. I wouldn't like it. No, because they reveal secrets. Like, you know dogs would be blabbermouths. Like, cats would be manipulators, but dogs would be bladder, blathermouths. Yeah. Um, it even took me took me off my game a little bit. Have you seen the Summer of Sam? The one uh, about... Uh... Yeah, no, like a while ago. John Leguizamo. Yeah, and he plays the serial killer. Uh, what's his face? That The dog talked to him. He didn't play the serial killer. I know, but well, I, it was it was about the serial it was killer. About, yeah, well, sort of. Well, yeah, it was more about the heat in New York City in that right. summer of 69. Listen, buddy, do you wanna you wanna move to a different location or what? Yeah, let's go to the strip club. Oh wait, you're not talking to me, are you? Never mind. No, he's just the way he's positioned, he keeps almost falling off the couch and it jolts him awake. Well that's what dogs do. They don't plan their naps, they just nap. God, I'm so jealous. <laughs> anyway, it you're watching that movie and it's a straight up movie, just legitimate like here it is, New York City. It's really hot, trying to deal with all this drama. And then all of a sudden, his dog starts talking to him. (laughs) And it was really off-putting. Really off-putting. Well, I mean, yeah. Well, wasn't the dog in the toilet? It was like a dead dog, right? No. The dog's head was in the toilet? Well, I don't remember that part. I thought that it was a black lab and it was just sitting there. It was his neighbor's dog. It was his neighbor's dog. I thought at some point he kills it, it still talks to him. Yeah, probably. But the first time it talks to him, it's just standing there. It's just like sitting there next to him like looking up at him and he looks down at the dog and all of a sudden the dog's like, you know, you got to kill those people, right? <laughs> it's like, yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Cause my I dog... thought you were going to say it, but it, yeah. you know, well, I mean, when dogs start talking to you, they tell you to kill people and, you know, abort your baby brother and fuck it in the <laughs> ass. Labby. I don't know. Labby. Oh God. I'm pretty sure if my dog could talk right now, he'd be like, Hey, I noticed you had some of those hot dogs in the fridge. And, uh, you know, I could use one. They need to be in my stomach, just saying. He is a glutton. So, you ever think about the big what-ifs, like the big historical what-ifs? Like, what if the South won the Civil War? What the South won? What if D-Day didn't happen? Something like that. Well, So, uh, what if the South won? What do you, what do you got? What, do you, what, what if the South won? What do you think would happen? Well, I guess I don't... I think that if the South had won, which I don't even know what that would mean. Like, Right. So, the North withdraws all its troops and allows a border to be, you know, put into place. That's usually the, the scenario people talk about because nobody thinks plausibly the South would have actually conquered the North, like actually right. turned the whole country into the Confederate States or something. Right. I don't think that that would have ever happened. I think what would have, like, had the North said, okay, we've had enough, you know, too many people dying, we understand... You know, we're going to separate, yada, yada, yada. We'll just move our people back. That's more plausible to me than the South riding in on Washington, D.C., being like, okay, uh, this is all, you know, you're all part of us now. You're the Confederacy. Mm -hmm. Um, So I see two countries that the South eventually gets invaded again after the North (laughs) reevaluates how to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's... I, I agree. Or at least there would have been, if not a full invasion, then a lot of border skirmishes. Yeah. Because, like, I, I look at it, people's ideas about it. It would have been, you know, obviously uneasy and bitter, but you would have had um, abolitionists wouldn't have given up. You know, they would have been like, no, we got to still free the slaves. Even though it's not the same country anymore, they'd still, like, their thing wasn't get the slaves out of the United States. It was get rid of slaves. Yeah. So you would have had a lot of agitation that way. 
Um, I got. I found something here. Oh, and the Southwood had access to the Rio Grande through the Gulf of Mexico, so they could have controlled trade. So they would have tip or tat back and forth, and because the North needed Gulf of Mexico shipping and stuff like that from South America, and so the South would have choked that off, and it would have they, they would have flared up again, like fight. They would have fought again. Right. Plus, the South probably would have started pushing into Mexico, annexing territories in Mexico. Harry Turtledove wrote a book about this, like if the South yeah. had won. Yep. It would be a second he, war because it was actually a series of books. Yeah, and the one of them was the second war between the states was because the South was actually buying territory to get from Mexico to get to become a Pacific power. Yeah, because the North would have had California. You know, the South would have pretty much ended at like Texas or something like that. They wouldn't have been a Pacific power, but if they bought parts of Mexico, they could have been. And the North didn't want that because the North was like, "You're going to choke off all access we have to South America." So they went to war again. Yep. And now in the book they lost, but I mean, who knows? But so yeah, I mean, they probably would have gotten to war again, and the South would have had a real radical change in its governance because they almost definitely could not have maintained a democracy. Because well, like the South would have almost definitely been forced to give up its slaves eventually, like probably sooner rather than later. Like slavery was going to disappear one way or the other. Because the North, the rest of the world became slave free. There's big social movements in Europe to end slavery everywhere. Yeah. Yep. And they would have really le- and like the South had cotton. I mean, really, let's, let's it's cotton and tobacco. And places like France and Britain could get their cotton from somewhere else if their people really, really wanted them to, like India. Mm-hmm. So Egypt, you know, places like that, places like France and Britain had access to that wasn't necessarily the Confederate states. So they would have really leaned on the South. You know, if you want to do business with us, you got to free your slaves. So yeah. slavery probably would have disappeared, but it would have been replaced by like a re- weird apartheid system, like a legal separation of whites and blacks. Yeah. Blacks have almost no rights. You know, they're not slaves. They get paid for the work, but they, or like they, like Jim Crow was, you know, later on. And uh, they, um, they would have been probably out, like the white people in the South probably would have been outnumbered by the black people for the few generations. Even at the time of the Civil War, blacks made up like 40% of the population. So they would have kept breeding and they probably would have outbred the white people. So in order for them to maintain power, democracy would really have gone out the window. Yeah. So they would be uh, whatever you would replace it with. I don't know, oligarchy or something like that. And yeah. State state rights. And the North probably would have been really, really socialist. Like they would have gotten the way of New England, which was heavy into big government, federal power, or like Europe. Not like I'm not talking like communists like Russia or Cuba or something like that, but I'm talking like a lot of government in charge of a lot of stuff. Yeah. So it would have shitty for everybody. <laughs> Whew. So yeah, no good. No bueno. What if we didn't drop the bomb in Japan, Hiroshima? Or like Nagasaki? at all or drop the bomb somewhere else instead? Nope. What if we didn't drop the bomb? Um, How much longer would World War II have lasted? A fair amount longer, I think. Like, maybe not like a decade longer or something like that, but like Japan could have held out for a good long time. Well, I know, I can't remember the name of the operation, but the U.S. had plans on taking southern the, the southern islands in Japan yeah, yeah, and basically paving them, like killing everybody on the island and paving the island and using them. Yeah. I can't remember the name of it, but they there were people that were experts that estimated, you know, millions dying. The the number of soldiers that America 
would have lost would have been astronomical, and that would have paled compared to the number of Japanese soldiers and civilians that would have yes, been yes, civilians that would have just been absolutely obliterated. Yeah, in the like the firebombing, like they wouldn't have if they didn't nuke, they would have firebombed the shit out of that place and killed every single human being, and then just paved it. That was the plan. I'm gonna look it up right now. Yeah, and and like the the two nukes scared the shit out of a lot of people. You know, the world. It scared the crap out of the world. So if we had not, like, I don't know what your scenario entails, but if we had not dropped the bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, but still the Manhattan Project was a thing and nuclear weapons were being made, then they would have been used somewhere else, probably to a much greater degree. Like, by the time Korea happened, they would have been used then. In fact, I think Winston Churchill wanted to use nukes and force Stalin out of power, like, right after World War II. Like, boom, boom. Ride the momentum, drop some nukes on Moscow, call it good. Right, and it would have. It, it would have been effective. Like, if you had control of the nukes. Oh, yeah, but we'd be better, we'd be worse off now if that would have been the case. Like, if we could have, <laughs> if we would have not knocked the Soviet Union out of the game early, I think we would be worse off today than we are. Just because the Soviets took care of Germany for us? No. I mean I mean early by is like right after World War Two. Like uh like we we defeated Hitler and then guys like Churchill had his way and we went straight at Russia. We went right at the Soviets, dropped nukes because they didn't have nukes at the time. We could have. <laughs> we really could have. And we dropped the nukes, we cowed them and all of a sudden the Soviet regime fell. It was just Russia, no Soviet Union, no Iron Curtain, no nothing. I think the world would be a worse place today than it is. Really? Yes. I can't find the name of the operation. I'm not going to give it any more time. But yeah, I think it'd be a worse place because competition breeds greatness. That is a principle I really believe in. So the the race, the race, the, the the Cold War prompted us to co- develop computers and nuclear, you know, harness nuclear power in a better way for like energy and stuff like that to go into outer space. Look what's happened to the space program since the Soviet Union fell, or even before. Since it became apparent that we were beating the pants off the Soviets in space, we stopped caring about space. Right. And we, if we would have kept the momentum that we had in the 60s, like kept that same intensity, we would seriously be colonizing Mars right now. No doubt about it. Like flat out, or the moon would be a done deal. There would be like 51st state would be the moon or something like that. <laughs> like straight out. Like the moon would be a done deal. And we would have long ago colonized the moon and we'd be seriously like building places on Mars right now. Yeah. But because we lost that competition, because by the 80s, it was clear that the Russians were not going to keep up with us in the space. We stopped. It was like, oh, okay, who cares? This is why I super hope that China gets its shit together and becomes a huge rival for us. Like really rival us. Like militarily, yeah, technologically, you know, space-wise, all that stuff. I want them to become a serious, serious rival for us because we are in a weird, stagnant period. We a lot of the problems we have in the government today, the infighting, the partisanship, is because we have it too easy everywhere else. Yeah. Like, oh I yeah, that, nukes, I agree with that completely. Yeah, I don't want nukes to be flying. I don't want ma- massive. Why? I know, I want another Cold War where we look at each other funny and get ready for the worst. The worst doesn't happen, and then all of a sudden we find out that we are. You know, we have cyborg bodies and everybody lives to be a thousand years old. Something like that. You know, once the dust clears. North Korea. Ah, North Korea. You know what's going to happen with North Korea? 
this Nothing. they're gonna turn on Kim Jong Un ill. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the most plausible thing. What I think is gonna happen? Nothing. They got a nuke and they're gonna sit on it. And we're all be like, all right, okay, I guess. Well, you wouldn't think so if you read the headlines now. Every there, every headline is, oh, they're gonna nuke us. It's inevitable. War with North Korea is inevitable. What's China gonna do? Whose side are they gonna be on? Right. I mean, everybody's assuming Kim Jong Un's actually fucking insane and wants to nuke somebody. He's he's an asshole and he's an idiot, but I don't think he's insane. He knows that if he nukes somebody, he's done. Like that's literal suicide for him. Yes, it's a launch a nuke at somebody else. Yep. I don't. I, I, it sucks that they're a nuclear power, but they're a nuclear power. It sucks that Pakistan is a nuclear power, but it's a nuclear power. Right. So it's going to be like fuck. We dropped the ball a long time ago. And now we're going to have to live with it. That's what it is. What if the United States were the only country that had nukes? <laughs> that's maybe the biggest what if of all, because that was never going to stay that way. Um, I don't know. I feel like we would have been complacent. Like we would have known that we could. I don't, honestly, maybe I think the world would be even more peaceful than it is now. The idea I think that, so too. but we would have, but power, power corrupts. So we would have been the ultimate power. So the second anybody does something we don't even kind of like, we'd be like, uh, button, just saying, okay. Never <laughs> so that would have been, we, we, I think we would slowly, if we, if we had some ironclad way to make sure nobody else ever got nukes, I think the rest of the world militaries would just kind of melt away. Cause what's the point? Right. And well, then we just, would have slowly become like dictatorial. I, I really like, we'd have been like ancient Babylon come again, you know, just with, with the amount of money that we spend on our military. If we didn't spend that money on the military because we had nukes. I mean, if other countries just basically had, uh, you know, a military just for show, like a, right. You know, oh, I'm trying to think of a word, you know, just a, just a military that, really didn't matter they were just there for show and i think our military would just be for show you know yeah i mean all you need is the nukes yeah you're right all you need is the nukes and like some way to quick deploy them and maybe a force to go in and occupy or something like that but with the amount of money that we spend on national defense if that money were put somewhere else i mean just imagine how many diseases that we could cure like oh yeah what would be cured um the common diabetes. cold. <laughs> yeah, we would, I mean, diabetes. I mean, like, we could probably have cured a lot of stuff. Not necessarily, because just because you have money doesn't guarantee you're going to no, have that it, it lightning bolt flash of... Right. I mean, imagine, uh, like, the people that would get into the sciences and, and get into medicine because, you know, maybe medical school is cheaper, or maybe, like, those, like, if you, if, like, if you cure a disease, then you get more money than God. You know what I mean? Like, what if they were like a Nobel Prize for people that cured diseases that could pay? You know, you know what I mean? Like, what if it was so beneficial know. to get into those occupations and the, the drive was there to cure a disease so you could get, you know, not saying there isn't there now, but I don't think that people get into those professions now with the same fervor. Yeah. I think we're too litigious. I think we're too, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I just, I don't think. Over, over-regulated a lot of ways. Yeah. Over-regulated, too litigious. And I think that probably, you know, that's why you see a shortage of nurses and you see a shortage of doctors. Hell, you see a shortage of pilots. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there are a lot of these occupations that you want somebody to be overpaid. 
Yeah, I and, know, right? You know, just imagine if we could. Teacher. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, well, one one thing, and I'm not an expert on this, but with my limited knowledge of economics, it might not be the, like, a complete lack of a military. It might not lead to the utopia like people would think there'd be. Just because the way economics works is prices and the supply of money meet a equilibrium. It's inflation. You know, so if you have more money, prices go up. So just like just because you don't have the money sink of the military doesn't mean all of a sudden the price of creating a, you know, robot heart is going to stay where it would be right now. More money in the economy right. means prices go up to meet it. So you wouldn't necessarily have more resources like an explosion of people like like right here, right now, if today, in like next month in 2018, if we could take all the money we're spending or like two thirds of the money we're spending on the military and pour that into medical research, then yeah, it would be like a gigantic boom in the market. But if we'd never had that money in the military, then we would not have like magically more money in medical research because the prices of doing that research would have rose to meet the supply of money. If that makes sense. I, it does. Sure well, what I was thinking was more along the lines of like 60 years. Like imagine over the last 60 years, we were able to downgrade our military and not spend I, I understand that there might not be necessarily like a huge surplus of money just because we're not putting it in the military, but the... Well, there would be, but it would be prices would match that huge search of money. Right. But I'm also thinking the trajectory of certain occupations would go in a different way. Yeah, you know true. what I mean? Like all of it, you know, if, if they stop developing, you know, maybe not developing, but if, if there weren't a need to buy five aircraft carriers and, you know, 20 submarines and, you know, like these things that cost billions and trillions of dollars, not necessarily allocating that money for something else, but just, just the trajectory of certain occupations might go a different way. Well, the problem with that though is, I mean, I think people underestimate how much the fear of conflict, the fear of being conquered, the fear of being in a fight motivates things like the internet is a direct result. Like the fact that we have the internet is a direct result of war of the military. It, it came from mm. DARPA it, and DARPA is not doing things for the altruistic betterment of society. They're doing things so they don't, you know, so America doesn't lose a war. Like, like I read a book, I think I mentioned this before called war. What is it good for? Basically we have civilization because of war, because, because of the threat of war brings people together, pools, resources, because of people coming together, we had to develop social systems that let everybody get along with each other, i.e. laws, police, supply lines, better ways of getting food grown and get and, and distributed to people. And then civilizations become big, so they become targets for the barbarians on the outside to plunder. So they must build up new armies to bring them out to fight the barbarians. So that brings up a tax code that needs to be fair and equitable so people don't riot, you know. So on and so forth. It's the whole book is lays it out much better than I can. It's an amazingly good book. I recommend everybody read it. It's called War. What is it good for? But anyways, yeah, the central argument is we have amazing medical technology and transportation and entertainment, ultimately because we are a contentious race that fights each other all the time. But if war didn't exist, and obviously it would exist in some way, but if it didn't exist the way it exists now or the what you're talking about okay so we have that fear of being conquered so we build bigger and better weapons 
and ways to just, you know, use those weapons. If there were no need for that, say, you know, conflicts were handled with diplomacy, mm-hmm. just for whatever reason, our human brains evolved in such a way that, you know, diplomacy usually settled most conflicts. Yeah. Just it worked once really well. And then all of a sudden there was a blueprint for diplomacy to settle differences internationally. Okay, just imagine that happened. So there wasn't the need for the national defense that we have in the way that mm-hmm. we have it. Just just pretend. Sure. Would do you think that anything else would fill that void for us to be innovative? Do you think that the the natural curiosity mm-hmm. of the human mind would push us in a way that we would find a way to compete with ourselves in order to do these things? I, yes, I absolutely do. The question in my mind is how fast would we make those advances? You know, without the impetus of conflict and fear pushing us, I think our natural curiosity would drive us to, like our natural curiosity drives us to all kinds of things regardless of war. I, I fully concede that point. You know, we've just developing something like um, sports or children's games. Well, I say that, but I mean, that's still born the same desire for conflict and conquest. It's just sanitized. Anyways. But, right. Well, I mean, that's the thing is, you know, we wouldn't, if we didn't have the need to kill our enemy in order to conquer them, you know, like, I imagine a space race for for reasons other than to defeat somebody. Like, I imagine... But that, that could be the it, fear, too. Like, if our resources are running out, if we're screwing up the planet bad enough, that would be the new motivator to get off Right. Earth so that's and, what I mean. That's yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Like, what would fill the void of war? Would it be the fear of something else? Like... Resource crisis, you know, uh, climate change, um, you know, uh, an impending volcanic activity that was going to destroy half the planet overnight. You know what I mean? Like, you know, something else would fill that vacuum. And I I really do think, I mean, a happy, safe, secure, non-worried society is by and large a stagnant society. If you are happy the way you are, you're not yearning and searching and discovering new things. So I think the human condition means we're never going to be all completely satisfied. We will have that curiosity. But if, by and large, you wake up in the morning and you don't have to... Like, if we lived in some kind of super utopia where you wake up in the morning, you don't have to worry about any other country evading you. You don't even really have to worry about going to a job because, you know, the robots do everything and there's an abundance of whatever you need for everybody all the time. You just... Uh, what am I going to do today? Oh, yeah, the weather machine is keeping it from being a blizzard, so I know I can go and take a drive down the coast. And then, you know, in the afternoon, I'm going to meet up with some friends and have something to eat. Then we're going to go to this place and watch uh, the new 3D movie that just came out. And your life is nothing but leisure and easiness. How many people are going to forego that to sit in a lab and discover new elements or work at a factory to build a better you know, spaceship or something like who's, where's the motivation for that? Somebody would have to develop a system of reward that use something other than what we have now. Like it would, it would be money by another name. It would be fear by another name, fear of being regarded as lazy fear of not being able to do some special thing that only the producers can do. Like you'd have a two, like a multi-tier society where you can live your life consuming and not contributing. And that's fine. Or if you are somebody that puts out a product 
makes a new thing, discovers something new, or even just does some manual labor to help advance some industry that you get to experience some upper strata that the lower strata doesn't experience. So nobody's going to starve. Nobody's going to want for anything, but there's still going to be multi-tiered society. And that would be necessary to motivate any kind of new advancement. But the real question is, who is John Galt? <laughs> I was trying to avoid <laughs> using the word capitalism and libertarianism, but there you go. Uh, anybody that hasn't read Atlas Shrugged should go pick that up. Oh, yeah. Even if you don't agree with it, it's going to make you think. War. It's a What is it good for? And, uh, when I read Atlas Shrugged, I, I started Atlas Shrugged at least six times. Oh, yeah. And I could not for the life of me get through the beginning of that book but as soon as they found the train engine yeah, I think yeah. that's what it, as soon as they found that it was game on I loved that book yeah and I'm not I'm not sitting here saying I, I'm like I'm not a complete laissez-faire unfettered capitalist but I definitely lean that way <laughs> yeah I think like we keep coming back to this natural curiosity yeah that humans have so and I think that one of the things it's it's really weird to think about, but like one of the things that really drives and motivates and separates us is art. And I just, I feel like art exists in so many things, architecture, you know. Oh yeah. I mean, it's wherever you, it's the most subjective thing in the world. So if you find art somewhere, who's going to tell you you're wrong, you know? Right. And I think, I think art would be a huge motivator, a huge yeah. driving factor in if we were in a total leisure society with a basic, you know, universal basic income and like everybody could have the same phone if they wanted it, everybody mm -hmm. could have the same cable package if they wanted it, everybody could have the same car and everybody did have the freedom to go to wherever they wanted to go and not worry about work and let's go down to the beach and then out to dinner. And, you know, if, if those were all choices that people could make and live a, you know, we would find our competition in art mm -hmm. or we would find it in other ways to express ourselves. Hopefully not in a way that would hurt somebody else, but you know, it would, it would hurt feelings. Human there's, nature. Um, there's a fantasy series out there. That's really good. Wheel of time. I know you've yep, heard we've of talked it. about it. Yeah. There's an aspect of it that I found intriguing, which the author talks about uh, at one point that society was this idealized utopia. And there was no, basically, it was that, it was that, it was, nobody had any wants. There was no wars. They forgot the concept of war, of fighting, of anything like that. It was just living a life of complete ease. But there were, there were still the haves and the have-nots. So if you were somebody that could distinguish themselves, like in whatever field you chose, you could be a teacher, you could be a researcher, you could be an artist, you could be whatever. If you, a, a healer, a doctor... If you could distinguish yourself in that field, you could earn a third name and that would set you that set you apart. That was the motivation. That was like the status symbol people always saw. So if somebody had a third name, like it could be, you know, Bob Jones. But if you were really good at, you know, making sculptures, you could be Bob Jones Lawrence. Something like that. Hmm. And if you had a third name, then you were like, Oh, that guy that guy had his shit together. He he did something great. And that, that drive to become recognized was like the motivating factor for society. So As people opposed to things to earn a third name, you know, stuff like that. Nowadays it's just fifteen minutes of fame. Yes. And that's what people have. These like if I can just become internet famous one time, I will feel fulfilled. At least that's what they tell themselves. 
Right. If I could audition for American Idol, even if I embarrass myself, I'll be on national television. Oh, no, that's upper stratosphere. If I can just get a viral video on Instagram or YouTube, that's all people really want it these days. Yeah. I mean, if, if you if you got if you got on American Idol, that's like hitting the big times now. <laughs> <laughs> Even if you were for that five seconds where you embarrass yourself, that's you you made it big. People's practical dream is if I show my ass in just the right way on YouTube, can I get a million likes? Hmm, maybe. Well, also a million likes if you do it right, that translates to cash. That's true too. Yeah. So there there are a lot of people that are doing that stuff for free, <laughs> stupidly, but. It is. So I I have one good one left that I did want to talk about. And we kind of touched on it and moved past it. But what if D-Day didn't happen? Like conditions, because this is almost the case, like conditions were too bad. Yep. Or D-Day, they had to postpone it and it happened and the Germans were ready for it. So D-Day, for whatever reason, didn't happen or didn't succeed. How do you think things would have played out? Well, one of the things that came about from D-Day was the liberation of certain areas that made things easier going Mm -hmm. so i think that the allies probably would have had to have come up with another plan to get to that region well do you think they could have like do do you think that window of opportunity would have arisen at some later date or was that now or never type of thing i don't think it was now or never per se uh i know that they worked really hard to work or or to misdirect you know all about do you know about operation mincemeat is that the one with the dead body yeah they they, yeah, they yeah. put fake papers in a trench coat of a body that they needed to wash ashore in a certain place mm-hmm. that would reveal uh at the allies plan to invade x y and you know what i mean so it was total misdirection and like they needed they needed a lot of things. I guess what I'm trying to say is they needed a lot of things to fall into place in order for this to succeed. And it did, like you said, if any of those things didn't succeed, I think that they would have played their hand. And then, you know, maybe the Germans would have been a little bit more or taken it a little bit more seriously. Cause I know, I don't think that it, I've heard now that it really wasn't as consequential that Hitler slept in on the morning of D-Day. Right. From what I understand, he slept in most days. Yeah, they they couldn't have not mobilized what they needed to quick enough. Because, right, like you said, they were bamboozled. So yeah, just because he slept in didn't mean that you know. Oh, they caught him unaware. You know, it was you know he he did that routinely. So it wasn't I like just, Hitler was a military genius, anyways. Like he wasn't a strategist who would have been able to turn the tide if he would have been paying attention. Right, he was a bungler, got but lucky a lot. The people that he put in place to do that right have you know if if the opportunity presented itself and the allies didn't react the way that they were supposed to react and then they were thwarted that may have just tipped their hat and the germans would have been prepared for any other type of invasion like now that we know what their intentions are i think that the the u.s probably could have probably would have had to have conducted or the u.s all of them really the allies would have had to have conducted more airborne operations, putting more people behind enemy lines to fight from you know a different direction, mm-hmm. I guess. So I think that if D-Day hadn't happened or was unsuccessful, you would have seen probably more brutal warfare. You probably would have seen harder fighting. You would have seen more deaths simply because the strategy that they would have had to have used in order to liberate and uh, 
use yeah. use land as a jumping off point. It would have been harder to capture, I guess, is the, is what I'm trying to get at. Lots longer slog through. See, from what I could tell, there seems to be like three scenarios. Like one is like you said, the Allies could have still won, but it would have been a much harder slog. The other one is that Hitler would have won. Like I found this thing um, on a website. I think it was retired military man talking about you know plot you know what ifs and stuff like that and i found this little paragraph that i thought was pretty good it says uh consider the consequence of defeat on d-day the allies would have lost their almost irreplaceable fleet of landing craft britain would have sacrificed her last available army it would have taken at least another year well into the summer of 1945 before another invasion could have been mounted largely by americans hitler would have been developing his deadly new jet aircraft so that's one thing that stands out it's like he would have had time because they were working on rockets and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, jet aircraft, new technology would have enhanced the striking power of his U-boats. Possibly, but not likely, his scientists might have developed an atomic bomb. With certainty, though, Britain would have been hammered unmercifully by Hitler's V-weapons, his rockets and stuff, uh, constantly increasing in the numbers uh, and largely immune to air attack. So, like, a, a, delay, a delay in D-Day would have given Hitler... Hitler scientists at least the chance to perfect weapons that nobody else had. Yeah, I mean the reason we have missiles and stuff is because we crept Nazi scientists after World War II, took them back to America. The Russians did the same thing. Yep, they were ahead of everybody in that in that field. So it's possible they could have developed a nuke. I mean, the, one of the reasons we developed a nuke is because we were afraid that the Germans were doing it too. We just didn't realize that Hitler was like, nah, nah, fuck it, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but well, the other scenario is that. Uh, Stalin would have steamrolled the Germans. Like, there's there's a big school of thought that D-Day, even the Allies weren't. Their secondary goal was getting rid of Hitler. Their main goal was putting up a roadblock for Stalin. Because after Stalingrad, after Hitler got thrown back out of Russia, the Red Army was a fucking steamroller coming through Europe. Yeah. And without D-Day, without hitting, you know, without being able to divide Germany, uh, Stalin would have taken Germany. Big good chance he would have taken France. And after France, what's left? I mean, Spain was nothing. Yeah, Italy. Italy. I mean, he could have. It could have been Cold War with a triumphant Russia detaining America and Britain instead of the other way around, where a triumphant Western Europe was detaining Russia and Eastern Europe. Yeah, and, and you know, Western Europe and United States. Like it could have been a reverse Cold War where we're huddling around our nukes trying to keep Russia from taking us over. Well, here let's just imagine this scenario that. D-Day doesn't take place. They go into a think tank and they start working out scenarios where, okay, we didn't do the big invasion we were planning on. These are the scenarios. You know, England gets bombed. To, they get decimated. Mm-hmm. Russia steamrolls and then they take over Europe. Uh, or we plan a different invasion and that goes to hell because they've had more time to develop rockets and things like that. So what if America says, okay, Let's let's nuke Germany. Yep, and that's that's one of the um, things we're talking about. That we drop a nuke on Germany, and the, according to this, you know, take it for what it's worth, that would have made Russia have an easier time because we didn't have the personnel on the ground to be able to actually occupy it, and, and Russia did. So a nuke a nuked out Germany would have actually opened up for Russia way quicker. Right, unless of course you nuke Germany and then tell Russia we're on our way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, go fuck yourselves. If you don't pull back, we're nuking you too. Yeah, you. Yeah, that's when diplomacy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Takes a hold, and you say, 
there's a, there's a gigantic crater in the middle of Germany right now, and we're about to make a giant crater in Russia. Mm-hmm. Pull your people back, or you won't see tomorrow. Right. You know what I mean? Like the nuke at the time, that was that was your right fist. Oh yeah. And until what? Nineteen forty-seven. It was a few years until Russia got the bomb. Yeah. So we had a few years of like outright supremacy yeah so yeah that's you never see that like you see when you see the plausibility of like this could happen nobody ever says yeah but we would have had the nuke and we would have actually used a lot more of them if we had to yeah and you know that's a good point that was really the decision to to drop the bomb in japan was like we have to do this yeah if we don't do this millions and millions and millions of people are going to die yeah so well, you get revisionists talking about no, like it kind of burns me still every time people like Hiroshima and Nagasaki. I mean, there are tragedies in that the loss of life shouldn't have had to happen, but the blood's not on our hands, not really, because that was the lesser of two evils. Yeah, and that was and that's so bared out by every logistics, every examination of the numbers. But it seems like as time goes on, all of a sudden. You get this idea of like, oh, America needs to apologize for the nukes. It should never have happened. It was a war crime. It was a horrible, horrible thing. It's like, no, it was. I mean, what do you think? Do you magically think Japan would have given up? There's no way. Well, that actually, from what I understand, the people that think that it was wrong for us to drop the bomb also think that we didn't give them enough time to surrender, that they were in the process of throwing in the towel. I don't. I'm not as much of an expert to know that that's the case, but what I do know, like I, I really wish I could remember the name of the operation. The United States had plans of taking Southern Japan and yeah. paving it. Yeah. Yeah. Killing everybody and paving it. So, I mean, at the time we were capable of anything. Think of the internment camps that we put these Japanese people in. Oh yeah. On our own soil. Like at the time, the, the current, like social climate, we were prepared to bend anybody over and fuck them in the ass. The American public stopped looking at Japanese as human. Like, like it was because of the propaganda, because of Pearl Harbor, because of everything. It's not a, it's not a, uh, you know, proud moment. But yeah, we stopped looking at Japanese as being regular humans. They were the yellow menace. They were right. The caricatures of Japanese people from the period. It was terrible. But that's what war does. You dehumanize the enemy. So right. we would have thought nothing. Like Even if you took the most placid um, scenario, which is we don't, we don't nuke them and we also don't invade them. We just hem them in. Because, I mean, this is all predicated on Japanese culture, which was never give up. We will fight to the end. I mean, that's, what, that was the Jap- that's Japanese culture. That was the military culture they lived in. So it's very unlikely they would have been like, we surrender. We would have had to head them in, cut off supplies to the outside world. Japan's an island that can barely sustain itself. It, without trade, it dies. So to start off with, they lose their oil supplies, goes to no electricity. All of a sudden, they start starving because their population is too big to be sustained on their own agricultural capability. And the millions die that would have died if we invaded. Just a lot slower and a lot more agony. Yeah. You know, mass famines. And then finally, once they're starving, maybe they would have given up after millions died. So once again, not the humane way to go. Like too many people look at it like, oh, fire, bad, big explosions, bad. We should have done it. No, the reality is this actually saved lives. There was yeah. no good outcome. This was the best of bad outcomes. Plus, you know, scared the shit out of Russia. Yeah. Whatever that's worth. Yeah. Scared the shit out of 
everybody put us in a, a place of power to to say, yeah. listen, we're not afraid to use this. And Check despite what people say, America has been a great steward of the power it's been given. It really has. We've set up an international system of laws and fair play that has benefited the rest of the world immeasurably. And Global trade. Yep. And I was just about to say cash. Yeah. And cash it, runs everything. Like more people have been risen. Like, like I mentioned earlier, more people have been risen out of poverty in the last, you know, 70 years than at any period in the history of humanity because of what's called Pax Americana, the American peace, because of American power underwriting everything. We say, okay, shipping lanes of the world are going to be open. If you play fair, you get to join the rest of us in international trade. You can develop your industries and you don't have to worry about your piss at little neighbor coming in and taking you out. Like, look at the, the first Gulf War. Saddam Hussein's like, I want to invade Kuwait. And we're like, um, no, you yeah. can't. And we right. stopped him from doing that. And that's and that was the assumption. That's why people call Saddam insane because it's like, what do you think was going to happen? The understanding has been for 70 years, no, you can't just invade your neighbors for no goddamn reason. And that's why I think we dropped the ball in Russia recently and get away from the politics. I'm going to stop there. <laughs> I'm going to stop there. But yeah, so what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? What if D-Day didn't happen? What if D-Day didn't happen? We'd be worse off. What if, what the, if the Cold War didn't happen? War. We'd be worse off. If the, if the South won the Civil War, we'd be worse off. Worse off. I'm not sitting here right here and I'll say we're living the best of all possible worlds. But fuck, maybe we're close. <laughs> yeah. And again, like you just said, you know, we're good at making the best of whatever situation we're in because we're yeah. America, world yeah. police. <laughs> we really are, and that's a good thing. Yeah. So this has been a very politically heavy episode. I did. I don't think we meant it to be, but and religious, like... and religious. What we've been steered away from for almost a year, we finally collapsed it on ourselves and jumped yeah. into. When yeah. when we conceived of this, we said. No religion, no politics. Yep. Well, we we held out for a while. And you know what? We could have dipped our toes into all kinds of very more heavy and contentious subjects that we aren't. So I think we're doing good. Yeah. And anybody <laughs> listening can form their own opinions. I mean. Right. It, I'm not sitting there like saying I am Steve Piles, the expert on all things global political. Like somebody could come back with me with facts and figures that would completely sink my position. It's a distinct possibility that I fully acknowledge. But. From what I understand, this is where you've read books. I've read things. If it's in a book, it's true. So I've seen Ken Burns documentaries. I know. Goddamn right. <laughs> uh, Whoa. Yeah. So have we put the what if to bed? Probably not. But I, I do want to ask you one thing. And this is if you don't want to answer, it's fine. Like I thought we could end on a personal note. I am agnostic. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that wasn't it, but cool. Oh, okay. um, so am I. And atheist. You could be both, but that's another discussion. <laughs> but, uh, by definition, I guess it's all about labels. In your life, personally speaking, do you have a what if moment? Like a, a moment that you're like, if I had done this, or if my life had, if I had chosen a different path, what? Like, not even saying, like, do you, is there a moment you recognize that was the pivotal moment in your life? Not even saying your life would be better if you had chosen a different path, but you know it would be radically different. Like one moment in your life. I uh yeah I'll get I'll get personal. I don't right. mind. Um I've I've got the mother of all what ifs. Okay. Uh, and it is it is incredibly personal, but I'm a very nostalgic person, but I don't like to dwell on what ifs mm -hmm. and I 
not recently, it was actually quite a while ago that I I had to pump the brakes a little bit, I guess. Um just because I'm a human being, but um I have uh, a previous marriage that uh for a while I thought, you know, what if what if things didn't go this the way that they went? What if, you know, one thing that led to another didn't happen or or mm-hmm. whatever? But what it all boiled down to me for me is you know what if what if she and i hadn't met each other and i tried really hard to paint this perfect life you know i i think that anybody that's mad or anybody that isn't happy about the way their life went you know quickly paint a perfect picture of what if i hadn't done this then my life would be perfect or what if this hadn't happened my life would be perfect and I so those ideas are hard to really hard to manage when they have resulted in children because yeah, exactly. I have I have two children from that marriage and for the longest time I was mad because I felt like I had maybe met the wrong person and married the wrong person and then I lost out on a part of my life when in reality if I hadn't met that person and hadn't married that person, these children wouldn't exist. And I don't know you, I'm sure you have some sort of comparative feelings, but for <laughs> a parent to think about anything happening to your kid is almost like, I can't think of bad things happening to my children without like this searing pain in my heart. You know what I mean? Like, it's a it's a low 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 level of depression (laughs) you know you put you can't dwell on it yeah you can't dwell on it so when i think about the fact that just because i got married and it didn't work out that means absolutely nothing compared to the fact that i have these two kids from that marriage that you know have resulted in their life and have resulted in now the life of another child because one of them has has had a baby so yes i've had the thought of what if i didn't marry her i think that i'd be lying you know i'd be lying if i said i never had that thought because i'm a perfect human being unfortunately that thought also comes with waves and waves of depression thinking about what if i didn't meet her what if i hadn't married her and these kids didn't exist in the the that feeling is so that feeling of guilt is so overwhelming that I would have that thought that it's it flips like I don't know it's it's a top heavy thought where you think about it like oh I would have had such an awesome time in my 20s because yeah. I would have you know that's that's bullshit that is total bullshit and it's not a fate thing I don't believe in the the whole fate thing to a degree I do I guess but had I not met her, had we not been married and not had those kids, those kids wouldn't exist. And that the thought of that makes me like even talking about it right now makes yeah, me yeah. ill. It really makes me want to throw up thinking about the fact that circumstances had to be perfect in order for those kids to be born. So, you know, that's one of those conversations, like the conversation I'm having now with you and anybody that's listening. That's those are like therapy sessions I have with my <laughs> wife now, like like. Leslie and I have these discussions and she'll be the first one. Like she's my, my partner and she'll be the first one to tone down any conversation about, you know, past relationships and stuff like that. Right. 
because I mean, she's realistic. She's a human being and she understands those types of things. And so, yes, I've had the thought of what if I hadn't married my first wife? The problem with that is uh, it's not a real thought. It's not. It, that is total and complete fantasy. I might as well think about like, what if I had, you know, what if I had an incredible talent and was a movie star or a rock star or, you know, something beyond feasibility of something, something that yeah. is not realistic. Like if, if I'm being honest with myself, I guess that's an impossible thought. That's kind of like a, not a conundrum, but a paradox. paradox. Yeah. That's a total paradox. I like, the second I think about what if I hadn't met and right. married her, I immediately have to say that's one of the most depressing thoughts I've ever had. As weird as that sounds. <laughs> but on a lighter note, my other what if is what if in nineteen ninety seven I had had the foresight and had invested, you know, a thousand dollars in Apple stock. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like in nineteen ninety seven, a thousand dollars worth of Apple stock now is probably worth hundreds of thousands of dollars, maybe even millions. Oh, yeah, or not just the foresight to invest $1,000, but the foresight to invest $1,000. And then the next time you scrape together $1,000, put that in there too, like build up enough of a portfolio just to well, Apple in, stock. In 1997, Bill Gates was bailing out Apple. They were, oh, right, right. they were going under. I don't know what shares were at the time, but they were nothing. They were, but now that I know, <laughs> I wish I had sold everything I owned and put it in Apple stock. Because <laughs> you always have these thoughts. Like, I think everybody has the thoughts at the same time. Like, if I could, if I found some magic lamp or if they invented a machine that could transport my consciousness to my body from the past, what point would I go back to? Like, how far back would I go? Like, I always had thought, like, geez, if I could relive my life again, like, just take everything I know now and stick it in my body in the past, at what point would it be good? Because you think, well, if I became, you know, if I was an adult in a 10-year-old's body, life would suck some gigantic ass because you could be treated as a 10 year old. You could have 10 year olds capabilities, you know, but you're, you're an adult. You're, you wouldn't be able to identify with other 10 year olds. You couldn't play games with them because they think of you as weird, but you would have a platform which to launch the rest of your life. Okay. Now I'm going to save up everything I earned cutting grass right, and right. buy that Apple stock. I'm going to, you know, the second I get a chance, I'm going to start making predictions to people and wow them because I know the future, you know, crap like that. But, uh, you know, I'm going to find that girl in my neighborhood that I had a crush on. And since I know how to talk to women now, this isn't me personally, but <laughs> since I know how to talk to women now, I'm going to knock her off her feet and we're going to fall in love. And we're going to be high school sweethearts and we're going to, you know, I'm going to be married to the hottest girl on the planet because I knew exactly how to wow her from an early age and shit like that. But you're right. The implications are horrible if you actually sit down and think about it because it's like, well, I didn't marry that hot girl from the neighborhood. She married somebody else and had three kids. So my selfish desire is going to make sure those kids are never born. Right. Or if I start predicting the future, am I going to stop the future? Like if I was actually paid attention to, like if I contacted the press, if I contacted, you know, Bill Clinton and, and somehow convinced him like on, you know, September 11th, 2001, shit's going to go down. And he believed me. What would I change? How how different would the world be? Would it be better? Well, if you went back to talk to Bill Clinton, you'd have to say, listen, I know you're fucking the intern. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, listen, Monica Lewinsky is a name that we both know that you need to do something about. Uh, yeah, I'm going to tell you something about a blue dress. <laughs> 
The only thing sticking. The answer is no. She keeps the dress. Oh, she God. keeps the dress. <laughs> Maybe I'll just keep a letter. I'll go back to Nancy Kerrick and like, don't walk out of this building right now. Yeah. I mean, there's there's all kinds of things that you could go back. Do you remember a show? We may have already talked about it on here, but it's called Early Edition. Yeah, about the newspaper. Yeah, a guy. The, a guy CBS. Yeah, he gets a yes. He gets tomorrow's newspaper today, and yeah, it's yeah. got all these news things in it. And he sets it about himself to go and like stop you all know, these I crimes. Watching, and stuff. Like kind of being aware of it, and maybe seeing a little bit of it here and there, but I never sat down and watched it. Yeah. It was an interesting. I think it only lasted a season. Yeah, I, I, I can't. I think Kyle Chandler was a guy that was the lead because he was in something else later that I watched. Anyways, but I'll tell you my big moment that I think was nothing nearly as profound as yours. But I keep thinking back to when I was when I graduated college. Well, one of the moments is if I chose a different major when I was going to college, but I had it, but I didn't really have a choice. I just went with the first thing in my head. Like I wasn't like deliberate. I was like, I don't know, psychology, and just went with it. So it wasn't like I was like torn between psychology and something else. I only really thought about psychology and I went with that. If I had to do over again, I would have chosen something different. But the big choice I made, and like I said, it's nothing as profound as yours. But when I graduated, I was looking at going to grad school. I was accepted to a place called Sage University in New York, upstate New York, for forensic psychology program. But I instead chose to go to New to George Washington University for forensic science program which is like csi and stuff so i could have been a csi or a profiler was what basically was my two choices ahead of me and i chose a csi thing was that because of the tv show not any, not even close it's because a tv show that i think i was not able to become a csi guy because the field is flooded blah 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 blah. but i mean i remember cursing the tv show because i wasn't a, i didn't really know the tv show i think it was on at the time but that i, I didn't know of it i didn't watch it i, I had no factor in my decision. So I decided to go to DC because it sounded cooler. If I had chosen to go to New York to Sage College to become a profiler, I really have no idea what my life would be like, but I know it would be nothing like it is now. And that be I, I can tell you what it would be. You'd have sleepless nights where you're pouring over law. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I would have if I would have been successful, like actually gotten a job in that career, which is another remote possibility besides like like it's like the csi thing i got the degree i can't do the job it might have been the same way with the profile i got the degree but i couldn't do a job get a job doing it but if i did get a job in that field i would have been dealing with a lot of fucking dregs of humanity like messed up people and trying to get inside their heads right so probably might have been a neurotic ball of nerves or something ptsd yeah some some like just looking at everybody thinking everybody's a scumbag which I yeah. kind of do now anyways. Kind but anyway, do, yeah. <laughs> but I wouldn't be living in Maine. You know, you and me would have never met. I can almost guarantee that. I wouldn't be doing anything close to what I'm doing now. So I don't know. Like, would it be better or worse? I have no idea. And that still kind of haunts me sometimes. Hmm. I, I just don't know. Like, maybe I would be living this fulfilled life. Maybe I would have put down roots in the area and be living in, in like Utica or albany or some crap like that in upstate new york and profiling people i i don't know married to joyce yes i would have stopped her <laughs> won her the fern would have parted and i would have been like ah that would never have happened anyways that was that, that's never a remote possibility but married to somebody you know who knows something like that like the sage college the undergrad was a, a woman's college so you know hey, the graduate um... program would have been like 
leaning one way more than another, you know? Yeah. The odds. Yeah. May the odds be in your favor. That's right. I would have shot some fucker with a bow and <laughs> but it would have been Cupid's him. it would have been Cupid's arrow. And she would have been in love. What you don't know is, you know, you have to track one of these females down and you need to debilitate them, like chop their Achilles tendon or something to so they can't run and <laughs> then then they're yours. Well, I mean, I got my dungeon of women, but I didn't realize that was a viable Sex love doll. thing, you know? Okay, yeah. if that's the case, then... Love versus yeah. lust. Yeah, you're married to, you know, those 50 women out in the shed. I, I married to my basement women. <laughs> All right. The basement women. Nice. Yeah, you know? And they appreciate what they got. They appreciate what I give them, I think. It's a love. It's a kind of love. Well, 16 grams of protein per tablespoon. <laughs> and that's all they need. <laughs> that's all they get. Wow, this went dark quick. I'm going to stop talking about this now because I'm creeping myself out. We needed to go to Perv Corner. <laughs> yes. It was a Perv Cornerless episode that was sorely lacking. Ah, what if? <sighs> well, that was that was good. Good topic. Cool. So you got you got trivia? Anything? I do have a trivia question. So uh, it's probably going to be quick. Yeah, me too. Okay, what do you got? Um, G.I. Joe. The toys. Yes. You owned a few. A few, yes. Did had you own the aircraft vehicle. carrier? No, I think the only vehicle I had was like a some kind of jet thing that Cobra had. I can't remember for sure. But not yeah, we th- talked about this once before the Rattler. Yeah, you're right. You're right. We did. What is the name of the GI Joe aircraft carrier? Uh the USS John Wayne. Oh no! <laughs> I was like for half a second. Like, oh my god! Yeah, I know. I was trying <laughs> to. Know, Duke, Duke was the leader, so I just went with it. Uh the USS, USS. Okay, let's see if I can steer you in the right direction. How well versed are you in the show Mash? Uh, the USS Potter. Okay, my favorite character from Mash. It's their last name. USS Klinger. Don't pretend that wasn't your favorite character. No. The USS Transvestite. Um, no. Wouldn't that be awesome? So your favorite? Not the USS Hawkeye. I'm guessing. Nope. But that would have been awesome. The USS Hot Lips. Final answer, USS Hot Lips. <laughs> no, it's the USS Flag. That was the last name of a character in MASH. Oh. I'm sorry, I don't oh. know MASH as well as I should. Oh. Who's, that? Who's Flag? Colonel Flag. He's the one, he's the crazy dude that was in military intelligence that he was funny as shit. He's the one that is like, everybody turn around. I don't want to see, I don't want anybody to see what direction I leave from. And then he jumps Man, out the window, I, breaks his leg. Mash. I don't remember that at all. Ah. <laughs> Okay. Good. Just when we're done, just YouTube Colonel Flag from Mash. You'll get a kick. <laughs> okay. He was my favorite character. He was very funny. So was the GI Joe carrier directly named after that? Was it a Kavut? I, I think that that was just like a. Was it two G's? Yeah, two G's. Okay. The USS Flag. Like Randall Flag. <gasps> the Man in Black. That's right. How mm. many books all together. contain Randall Flag? Or. Mention of, variant. or the man in black flag directly was two books, which was eyes of the dragon, then the stand. Mm-hmm. But then the man in black from gunslinger became equated with those characters. So a bunch of them. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. A bunch. That's the answer. Oh, good. Yes. That's scientific official answer. Pacific. You have a trivia question. Okay. I have a trivia question. It's a Christmas question. Oh, good. And it touches a little bit on what we talked about. Yeah, let, me, let me, uh, <clears throat> let me turn so you can see the tree. So is that a real tree or is that fake? That's fake. Ah. No, no more real trees in my family. 
<laughs> in my house. We don't need the oxygen. Okay, so 40, 40 years ago in Japan, there was a successful marketing campaign by a particular sundries company, and it has taken over Japanese culture for Christmas. Japanese eat this certain food at Christmas, and it's so popular that you must make an order two months in advance to get any of this food on Christmas. It's that popular in Japan. What company, what type of food, what 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 place successfully made this marketing campaign in Japan? Kit Kat. <laughs> the Japanese devour Kit Kats on Christmas every year. Um, and then so you're looking for a Kit-Kat. brand name or a like, it, food name? It is not a type of food. It is a brand. Um, I guess you could say even it is a restaurant. I'll give you that hint. Is it an American restaurant? Yes. Like the, it's in the name. A very American word is in the name. The International House of Pancake. <laughs> yes. America owns international. Okay, I'll, I'll give you one further hint. It's total straight up fast food joint. And the is in the title? No, no. But one of the words of the title is, one of the words of the name is a straight out American word. Geographically American. Burger King. I'm not sure what geographically American about that is, but. <laughs> King? Okay. Not King. It's not Burger King. Think outside the box. Taco Bell. Close. Sometimes literally very close. Like spatially Kentucky close. Kentucky Fried Chicken. Kentucky Fried Chicken. Holy shit. The Japanese are crazy about KFC on Christmas. Two months. They have to make an order two months in advance to get KFC on Christmas. Because everybody gets it. That's insane. That's nuts. Well, it's all How those secret herbs and spices. I get like Japanese love their secret herbs. Like I'm looking at a picture right now of this hot ass Japanese chip wearing a Santa costume, hold up a buckle with the colonel's face on it. It's because we wrote their constitution. <laughs> that was the secret clause that was forty years ah, forty years ago. Crap. So there you go. In huh. uh, 1977, it's like that, that. That that was a clause after World War II. It's like by 1977, you will eat chicken on Christmas and nothing but chicken <laughs> from a bucket. And they're like, all right, I guess they got the nukes. What else are we gonna do? <laughs> That's right. What I, I mean, and that was just. That was us just exerting our power. Like we probably you know, we created Kentucky Fried Chicken just so that we could have something to give them at that point. Like we're that I giving. Like, I like to think that they were sitting around the room putting stuff in the Constitution, and they were just like, "Come on, let's come up with some shit." Like <laughs> these people are going to have to do what we tell them. It's like what could we do? What could we do? Um, they have to love robots and giant lizards. Ah, yeah, they put have it in to there. put neon lights on their vehicles. Everywhere. They have to. They have to deck out their vehicles, and they're going to have to entertain us with their cartoons. Yes, they must make the craziest cartoons ever invented and ship it back to us. That's right. I guarantee Eisenhower was like, I I want a vehicle that's a lion. No, I want five (laughs) vehicles that are lions, and when the moment strikes, they join to make one big robot. Yes. Do it. Write it down. <laughs> and you know, I want, they I want were every like, girl to wear a sailor outfit and have ginormous breasts. Write oh, that. No, that's in your constitution. Write it down. If I walk down the street, I want panties in a vending machine. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. Don't ask me reasons why. I want it. Matter My of nipples fact, are bad. As a matter of fact, I want anything I want out of a vending machine. I want. I, I want to walk up to a vending machine and be able to get anything my Every heart desires. <laughs> What's a vending machine? You'll figure it out. <laughs> write it down. <laughs> write it. Write it down. Write all this shit down. 
I want you to cover your. That's a. I just heard about this. It's a social trend in, in Japan that women hate male nipples. Really? Like if a, if a guy's wearing a shirt that kind of shows a, a nipple, like a protrusion. Nope, women hate it. They think it's disgusting. They oh, think God, it's narcissistic. Oh, because they get to walk around with nipples but no boobs. I guess. I I don't know. Like they did a survey. Like why is it? Like did they have products? Basically, nipple tape for guys. Like they put tape on the nipple so it doesn't show up when they're you know wearing a shirt. I wouldn't be able to be with a woman that couldn't accept me for my nipples. YouTube that. YouTube Japanese nipple commercial. It's a thing. Oh, I can't wait to see what comes up. <laughs> Probably a little bit more than what I saw too. <laughs> Listen, if you can make a pen pineapple apple pen a national or an international craze, then you can do anything. That's the power of Japan right now. They actually won World War II. They just bided their time before they revealed it and sold us VCRs for quadruple the price. Right, right. I think I'm turning Japanese. I think I'm turning Japanese. <sighs> All right. You got anything else? I, I don't. I'm, do I'm you not. want to talk about anything else? Um, I don't know. What do you, what do you got? You just, you're taking advantage of the fact that you're not falling asleep right now. Yeah, I'm wide <laughs> awake. My dog's because, asleep. <laughs> when you outlast the dog. Uh, I will give you an update on my Plex server. Okay. I started... The project with about, well, somewhere north of 500 DVDs, right? Sure. Yeah. And so I'm, I am ripping all the DVDs. By that, I mean I am putting them in one at a time, and I am using software to extract just the movie from the DVD, and it puts it in a format in which the Plex server can see it. And so mm-hmm. I've got this big folder of movies that the Plex server then goes and looks at and tells me what I can and can't watch. I am... Just over, I think today I hit the halfway point of ripping DVDs. <laughs> that seems like a milestone, but how long is it taking you to get there? Um, it's taken me a while. The problem was, is in the very beginning, I was very diligent about putting a DVD in, ripping it, testing it, and making sure the audio and video matched. Now I'm skipping right past that step. I'm ripping everything. <laughs> I'm just going through because my success rate was about. Nine out of ten, I would get perfect. And there was always that one that would give me a problem. Hmm. So sometimes that gets fixed by ripping it a second time. I don't know what variables go into that. I don't know if the CPU is... Quantum entanglement and fluctuation. Yes. Um, big scientific words. but um, <laughs> That mean nothing in this instance, so... Yeah, I don't know if the RPMs were off. I don't know if... You know, it was unbalanced. I don't like there's a lot of factors that go into it probably. But what I was doing was I was halting everything to try and get that, you know, rip it a second time or, you know, cap, you know, whatever. Now I'm ripping everything, not testing it. I'm just going and I'm doing a lot of overtime. Mm -hmm. So I don't have the like if I wasn't doing the overtime that I'm doing right now, if I had my mornings to myself where I could, you know, do stuff around the house and then like every 10 minutes go down and put a new dvd in and get it going if i had i'd be done by now you know it's never never too early to train a child to have skills <laughs> for the future I know. i'm just saying <laughs> okay but, honey this is the button you push um these are the list of movies you don't watch while this is happening uh <laughs> yeah there are definitely some movies that i do not want Daddy, i watched this one where this woman's head was in a box what's going on uh seven david fincher <laughs> who also did alien three well he had one good one anyways <laughs> uh yeah that's my update on the plex server i have uh i don't know what my number is right now so 
is this a format where if better technology comes out, you can transfer from this to something else, uh, or even just better equipment? Like if you had <clears throat> like an up a better you know a four K TV or something like what what's going on right now is DVDs. I am considering standard definition. Okay, let me put that into let me, let me tell you what I'm seeing on the TV. I am seeing images when I burn a DVD and put it in MP4 format. Each movie is between uh, 800 and 1200 megabytes. Okay. So, you know, 800 megabytes to 1.2 gig-ish. <clears throat> okay. Uh, when I turn on a TV and I watch that, I have a, a big, like, 56-inch flat-screen TV, plasma TV. When I play a movie, it looks just as good as if it were being broadcast over cable. Yeah, nice. I'm I'm not seeing lag. I'm not seeing pixelation. I guess I'm watching it as good as if I just put the DVD in. Okay. Um, maybe once in a while there's a hiccup. Um, some of the movies, some of the 80s movies are not formatted for widescreen TVs. Fucking so, 80s. Yeah, sometimes that <laughs> translates into having black, you know, black borders. Um, and every once in a while, for whatever reason, I'll get a movie that is just not miniature, but it's maybe two thirds the normal size. So I've got black borders on all sides. So all I have movies. Do, almost every TV that I can watch it on has a feature called Zoom, and I can hit the Zoom button and it brings it. Oh, okay. All, you know, it fills out those borders and it looks fine. So that's going to be, that's my trade off. I'm not going to have DVDs on a shelf that I have to walk over to the DVD player and put a movie in. I'm going to have access to my movies digitally, you know, from the couch on a remote control. I can digitally watch any movie in my library. Once in a while, I'm going to have to hit the zoom button. I guess <laughs> is the best way to put it. So that's a lot of I, extra work though. It may not be worth it. I mean, that's a extra just to button. have to hit that button. I mean, the thumb's got to move. I don't know. That seems yeah. exhausting. I'm, I'm in a little bit of a legal gray area by doing this. Um, yeah. simply because you're allowed to make a digital copy of a DVD you you own for um, backup purposes. It's not yeah. incredibly specific. You're not supposed to make up make a digital copy for uh like mass production. Like I'm not supposed to. I'm not supposed to put a you know rip a DVD and then have friends over and watch it. <laughs> well, I thought as long as you don't charge anybody. Yeah, that's why it's a legal gray area. But I was but, talking I mean, to my neighbor I, about I, I've this. Been, I've been to your house, and I remember having to pay the entrance fee. So, yeah, you're pretty fucked. <laughs> uh, I was talking to a neighbor about this a uh, couple weeks ago, and he said that I am not... He says, you're okay, because you're not... Then none of those movies that you're ripping are no, are any longer in the profit zone. <laughs> like, like, the movies that I own on DVD are so outside the profit zone right now. Right, I don't know right. how true that is, but when he said it, it made a lot of sense. So I'm going to go with that. I wanted to believe it, so I'm going to. Any future you argument know, I have. Here's the thing. The FBI is coming for you. We, I think we both know this. Yeah. They're going to kick down your door, start leveling the place with their hail of bullets. Like you're just going to be like, and so you just sit there and go, you know, I, I knew this was going to happen. And they're going to look at you and they're going to go, yeah, you should have. Oh, bam. Uh, and that's going to be it. And no more Plex server. Yes. And probably no more, you know, like, left eye. I knew eye. this day would come. 
It's one of my Maybe favorites. It's, this is your opening salvo to like your revolution. First yes. the Plex server, then overflow the government. Yes. No, I was just doing Captain Murphy the uh, just a second ago. Queen Dop- Popolop- Papadopoulos. Queen Papadopoulos. I love that one. Yeah. They show up. <laughs> they show up and they're from there's like multiple ones from alternate <laughs> dimensions and Captain Murphy just turns and says, "Yes, I knew this day would come." <laughs> of course he did. Oh, the best part is where they have like a information packet for all the different doppelgangers. Look, look, it's, it's in your information packet. Just read about it. Yeah, got to get up to speed. We only have so much time. Dodgeball, a dodgeball machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wonder how many people know what the fuck we're talking about right now. Anybody that's watched C Lab twenty twenty one knows it's the best episode. That's the best episode of C Lab twenty twenty one. Easy, hands down. Easy. Ah, uh, good stuff. But that brings up another good point about alternate dimensions multiple dimensions the multiple universe theory somewhere all these what-ifs have happened according to m theory okay here's my thing about that so what the m theory is is that there are for every uh okay so there is a different universe for every possibility is that correct uh i feel like i could be wrong in saying this but i want to say yes like i know there's some theoretical physicists out there that's a fan of the show and is screaming at us. You know, I know that's a, that's totally probably a thing. okay. So, so there's a theory. It might not be the M theory, but there's a theory that there is a a universe there. We we live in multi universes. Everything that for, could happen is happening somewhere. Has happened but somewhere. My problem with that is one of the possibilities is that none of it happened. Um. Therefore, it can't be correct. Well, in the sense that. There is something, and then there is nothingness. What is nothingness? Not this. <laughs> like <laughs> the opposite of this. It's like it's 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 something that our minds can't even comprehend. We cannot comprehend there being absolutely nothing. Like where is nothing? When is nothing? What does nothing consist of? It's nothing. Like the idea of there being absolutely nothing is actually just unimaginable. Right, because we have half IQs of what we should have. <laughs> once we get to two hundred, we're good. Yeah. But I, I like okay. It's like saying okay. Here's a religion thing again. It's like saying God exists outside space and time. Okay, where's outside space and time? It's just outside space and time. That's nonsense words. That doesn't mean anything. Okay, that's I. I God, I really. I'm I gonna don't do want it. I'm gonna do it. Can God make a burrito, a burrito? so hot, so hot <laughs> that even he can't eat it? Ah, yeah. you're not gonna out Simpsons me, motherfucker. I almost out Simpsoned you. <laughs> uh, exactly. No, seriously can it's it's a paradox of of uh omnipotence that's why the if the even the concept of omnipotence is nonsensical <laughs> the concept of atemporality you know not being subject to time is nonsensical it's just it there is you it's a it's a fancy word to slap on something that doesn't make any sense to try to make it make sense but your explanation needs an explanation so you've solved nothing well what i'm saying to bring it back around is the same thing as can God make a burrito that's so hot that even he can't eat it. If every possibility is a possibility, one of those possibilities is that there are no possibilities. But there's not being a possibility is not a possibility. But it is a possibility to have no possibility. But it's impossible to be not possible. That is Everything possible. that is possible is possible. But things that are not possible are not possible. But one of the things that is possible is there to be an impossibility. 
I don't think that's possible. <laughs> that's right. Oh, I hope that there are people that are just swerving their cars <laughs> off the road right now. Like, fuck these two guys. Yes. Uh, I, I want you to hate me. I want to I feed off your hate. <laughs> if anybody <laughs> hasn't figured it out by now, Steve loves it when people hate him. You can go fuck yourselves. That should be my catchphrase. <laughs> go fuck yourself. And I'm the I'm the yin to his yang. I just want to be loved. Mm-hmm. Yet, ironically, nobody does. I know. And I think everybody you're the most hated you. man I know. You're the most hated person I know. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Not one single person likes me. Not nobody even my dog. You're, who I notice is just checked out. So. Oh, yeah. He's yeah, gone. I believe nice he's done. <clears throat> he's the worst epic man ever. <laughs> Listen, I looked into that, by the way. Epic and man? I want to get on the siesta um, sleep oh, circadian right. rhythm. I I really think that the the siesta rhythm is the best. That's the one that it would be better for me because that's five hours of sleep at night and then between a twenty and ninety minute nap during the day. And just one of those, huh? Yep. Yeah, I can see it. And that's supposed to get you on a a one of the that's the siesta circadian rhythm or whatever. If it works for Mexicans, it can work for you. Yeah, it works for most of Europe. Yeah, fuckers. Well. Did they did they take siestas in France? They probably take something that's a French word. It's the, the same thing. Mort. I'm sure it's judgmental. They take the le pommel rouge, the red pomegranate. Apple. Is that what you said? Apple. Apple. <gasps> they take the voulez-vous coucher avec moi, c'est soi. Come upstairs and fuck me. Pretty much. <laughs> See, I speak French. Yeah, the good stuff. All right, we might need to sign off before people completely lose all patience with us. Yeah. Okay. Well, until next time, what what we have next week is a treat, and apparently Steve gets mad at me when I mention that we're going to be having a guest. You can't mention the guest's name, otherwise it's not a surprise. It will absolutely, utterly not be a surprise <laughs> anyways, but we got to pretend. You know, we got to put up the, the facade. All right. So next week, we're going to talk about unicorns with my mom. Tune in. Who's my mom? Uh, I don't know. And what does your mom want to talk Maybe she could talk about rainbows. My mom will talk about unicorns, unicorns your mom will and talk rainbows. About rainbows. Actually, I was doing a, a joke from the movie Home. This girl oh. keeps talking about uh, my mom. You got to find my. You got to help me find my mom. And the aliens like, who is this? My mom person. Why is their name my mom? Who is my mom? What movie are you talking about? I have no idea. It's got Jim Parsons in it. Okay, cool. Is this a? It's got to be like a recent movie then. Home. Never heard of it. <gasps> it's Homework. got Home. Jennifer Lopez. Work. It's got Rihanna. It's got Jim Parsons. It has Steve Carell. No, Austin. No, he was the jerk. Plain strange and automobiles. Yeah. Oh my God. You can't think of it either, can you? Oh my God, I'm having the worst brain fart. Uh, John Candy and Steve. Ah! White hair had a cork on his fork. Tory Ryan scoundrels. <laughs> wow, we are terrible. Oh my God, <laughs> I'm having the biggest mental block right now. This guy's huge, and we can't remember his name. How is this possible? Steve Miller, Steve Murphy, Steve Cleghorn. Holy shit. Steve, do not do not look at your phone. Uh, do not I look keep at the say Steve Carell. Do not look That's at the internet. Steve Carell's just in my head. Steve, he was in Steve, Parenthood. John Paul, Andy and Steve Paulson. Martin. Stop Stephen Martin. Stephen Martin. Martin. Okay. Stephen Martin. Yes. Man, we would oh, be terrible. That was brutal. But that was so bad. You the other oh my god, I want to kill myself. The other day the other day when we were doing trivia, 
I knew the answer, but I didn't know the name. What was the question? It was a que- it was a question of uh this the most successful s- musical of all time. Who was the actress that was the lead? I basically was it and I knew opera? I knew it was Sound of Music. Oh yeah, could not remember the actress's name to save my life. Couldn't do it. She was Mary Poppins. I yeah exactly. I was like Mary Poppins, the Sound <laughs> of Music. And I'm looking at nobody. Julie Andrews. Else. Julie Andrews. Could I kept wanting to say Judy Dench, and I knew it wasn't Judy Dench. Yeah. And I was like, nobody else knew either, so it didn't. Nobody knew Julie Andrews. Not, I mean, at my table, other people. Knew. Oh, okay. Yeah, we well, wouldn't have won with it, but we would have. We would have been close. Oh well. Oh well. Anyway, with that, you got to say goodbye first. You always do. Oh, I always say goodbye first. Okay. That's right. Tradition. And I can't say I'm Julie Andrews because that is just too much. You can say it. It's no. 2017. You can I'm say. I'm not it. gonna. I'm gonna say I am uh, vending machine MacArthur. <laughs> saying. <laughs> I am I am Rescue Toaster. Rescue Toaster. Does it that's a C Lab twenty twenty one Captain Murphy throwback. Oh, I am right. what is stuck in the vending machine, right? Yeah, Bebop Cola. Yeah, yeah, and he's yeah. under the vending machine. Yeah. Bebop Cola. The scorpion lays its eggs in him. Yeah. Disturbing cartoon. <laughs> if we just sat here and described that episode, uh, people would think we're absolutely insane. Oh yeah. If if they didn't know what we're talking about. If well, you're looking for me, better check under the sea. You know what we're doing that next week? Where you'll find me. What's that? Next week we're going to play a game. I'm going to name a country, and you're going to speak in their accent. That sounds like a horrible game. We're doing it though. Horribly embarrassing. Okay, let's do it. Yeah, let's so do it. I can do it. You need to sign off though. Okay, I am Bob uh, Nipple Nuke Scully. <laughs> I like it. Saying Japan's got issues. <laughs> All right. Well, until next week. Bye bye. Goodbye. Get me in your money mail. Oh yeah, yeah, got that. Get me in your money mail. <laughs>